Peace front, true believers. This is Modular Media's No Prize Podcast. I am your host, Chris Gaston. With me, as always, is the uh, person in this endeavor. Representing the distinguished composition, the vacuuminator, is here. And in this show, we talk about Marvel movies, Marvel comics, Marvel merchandise, and more. And boy, do we have an episode of television to talk about. We have we have much to discuss this evening. This is going to be a, a jam-packed episode, to be honest with you folks. Like... I'm sure they're I'm sure everyone's very excited to talk about Loki. I'm very excited to talk about Loki, but oh boy, did Todd go on a tear this week? And uh I think we both read quite a few comics this week. Oh. I was thinking, oh, did, did Todd McFarlane do something to get canceled? And I was like, oh wait a second, he owns a toy company and we do toy news. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried there for a second. That would be that would be the worst timeline if Todd got canceled, to be honest. Would, I mean, what could he get canceled for? Hey, you drew that woman with big boobs. Yeah, that's the way you it, sold comics back in the day. I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying it fucking sold. For the audio listeners, I looked at him like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I just didn't know where to take that joke. Sorry. You take it right in the bin because it's trash. Do, do I need to make like our fifth trash taste reference in a row? No, because you already did. Cool. Great, I'm glad. So do we need to talk about anything else before we really dive into Loki now? Uh, oh god, Black Widow. It's out next Friday. Yeah, so we gotta... Let's let's quickly discuss how we're gonna do that, because we didn't do it off mic, because... Uh, I completely... I, I thought earlier today, oh yeah, that's right, I need to discuss that with him, and then didn't think about it at all until you asked me just now. Beautiful, great. Are we sure we didn't swap personalities today? Uh, so here's the thing: I will be buying it on Disney Plus. Uh, I'm one not of us has money. Yeah, I'm not going back. Well, I don't have money. My mom does. I'm between jobs at the moment, but she 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 pays for the Disney Plus account. I already checked with her. It's cool. We're buying Black Widow. Um, but uh, I you. Your guy, your guy who gives you password, will be yep. going to the theater, and it will be like a week or so before he does. Yes. Um, shall I pass password on to you, or do you want to try and get together with him for theater times? I would like to go see you in the theater with him, but I am also strapped for cash, and I don't want to make him drive 45 minutes out of his way to come pick my fucking ass up. Even though if I said, like, yo, I want to go see the movie with you, he might, but, like, it's rude. Well, it's... We'll ask him uh, on uh, tomorrow. Yeah, because uh, I texted with him and he was like, eh, it's going to be a bit of a pain in the ass to get together, but I think we can probably work it out. Uh, yeah. Wait, when do you guys need to have seen the movie by? Friday. Oh, I worked that night. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll fig- Things don't always line up the way we want. I yeah. think... Either we'll be discussing the Loki finale and Black Widow in the same episode, or we'll be discussing Black Widow the week after the Loki finale. Because yeah. the finale is next week, right? Like, that's what I get from that news. No. That Black Widow is... What? Loki's six episodes. Oh, shit. Yeah, Loki's the same amount of episodes as Falcon Winter Soldier. So Black Widow is coming out in the middle of it. That's weird. Because there's next week and then one week after that. Hmm. Yep. 
what are we going to do about this situation? I am curious to find out next time. Uh, we'll either be discussing Blackwater or we won't. Yeah, we'll make a, hey, hey, follow us on the Modular Media at Twitter, and you'll get updates, and we'll uh, update y'all on what's going on on the podcast, what's going on uh, in any other podcast we're doing, such as Twit or Modular Components, or any other individual project that we have going on, such as Vax's YouTube channel where he reviews toys, uh, Buster's ongoing mini video essays, and uh, any upcoming projects from uh, yours truly. Hey, look at you, you plugmeister. Hey, hey. I'm like Ollie's hair, full of plugs. <laughs> now you're the one taking pot shots at Davis. Damn. Holy hey, goodness that he has hair plugs now. I'm not making any insinuations. I'm just making a joke. Oh, he actually said he has hair plugs. Dude, that's why he was away for like a week. I didn't know. I've barely been keeping track of Wrestle Talk lately. Yeah. But, 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 but. Get on with it. Fuck you. <laughs> no, fuck you. Just because of that, we're just going to solve for more time. Hum, 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 hum. I'm speaking for the listeners. And also for myself, who had to put up with 45 minutes of your bullshit before we recorded this podcast. Hey, you laughed at that bullshit, motherfucker. I you did. laughed at that bullshit. <laughs> I you did. enjoyed it. I wouldn't go that far. You indulged in my bullshit. I'll make that concession, yeah. So, Loki, episode four. Uh, we get Nexus a little bit event. of a... Nexus event. We get a little bit of a flash uh to little uh, Sylvie being a kid on the Asgard. Which was kind of like a big oh shit moment for me, just because from the backstory reveals we got from her last episode, I kind of assumed, like... Oh, she got taken around the same age as Loki, but she still had that lifetime on Asgard. Like, the way she talked about, like, oh, I barely remember my mother, I, I, I assumed, oh, Frigga died when she was a kid. Not, she was taken when she was on a kid, and she's been on the run and had to go through pretty much her entire childhood and young adult life on the run from the TVA. Like, that, that fucked me up for a second. In apocalypses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just had a thought. I wonder. Now we are both cis hetero dudes, heteronormative dudes. I wonder if a trans person could look at this whole like bit of context and story as sort of like a trans allegory of like this is Loki as a girl, and basically this giant overbearing authoritarian thing is saying like no, something's wrong. I, could- I think. Th- I could potentially see that take, but I would not be the one to make it. No, I'm not saying we, we're not the ones to make it. It's just a, oh, that's a connection that can be made. And if it's substantive enough that a person who is trans and has that experience and that literary, like, know-how and, like, can see the themes and everything can make a full video about that, fucking dope, do it. Hey, Philosophy Tube, here's your chance to finally make a Marvel video and ride that algorithm. Uh, no, they made that one comics books video <laughs> where they talked about the housing crisis. Oh, Jesus. Yep, yep, yep. But basically, uh, Sylvie gets taken through the TVA, gone through all the same things that Loki Loki Prime got went through uh, that we saw earlier in this season. And as they take her to the judge, she basically bumps into uh, 
the judge character. I can't remember her name right now. Ro- Romana, Romana Rensler, or Rensler. Ravona. It's Ravona. Ravona Renslayer. Um, Renslayer. Uh, she's the person who took uh, Sylvie in. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think they're going in the direction of Ravona being Kang's lover and not antagonist like she is sometime in the comics. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that more later. Uh, but she still is one of the time iPads and goes like, all right, bitch, I'm running away. So she ran away. Uh, has been running away from the TVA ever since. We then cut back to basically the end of the last episode where we're on that moon. No, we're not there. We have a, we have a brief scene with uh, Mobius and Renslayer where basically Mobius goes like, hey, can I talk to uh, the Minuteman girl who got messed with Sylvie? He's, he doesn't know she calls herself Sylvie. It's just like the variant. Can I can I talk to her? No, no, she dead. What? She dead. Yeah, we moved was, her. No, she was fine a minute. Ago. No, she died. She got really bad. That that's unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. Now get back to work. Go find Loki. Shut the fuck up. Uh, and then we cut back to the moon, as Loki and Sylvie basically kind of go like, "All right, yeah, no, we this is this whole situation is fucked up." As but, uh, they got it. We're going to hold hands and face the end of the world together. Uh, and the, them holding hands basically causes a big enough spike in the timeline that they're able to find them and pick them up. And basically Again, bring Doctor them. Who connection. Yeah. Remember Father's uh, Day? What episode? What? Season one, the episode where they get stuck in an alternate reality because Rose tries to save her oh, dad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't with touch all the, the With all the cyber Cybermen ghosts. No, that's season two. I'm talking about the oh. season one one where they're stuck in the church and there's all those interdimensional wraiths that are going to eat them because they fucked up the timeline. Uh, but basically they find uh, Loki and Sylvie and they go like, all right, cool, you're captured. And then Mobius starts interrogating, uh, basically goes like, all right, you lying son of a bitch. Uh, fucking go into time, timeout. Go into timeout. And then we Watch get it. a fucking Blood Brothers reference. Oh, Remember? Because there's a flashback in that where Loki cuts off Sif's hair. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. uh, and, and here we have Sif showing up and being like, you motherfucker, you cut off my hair. Over and over again. Yep. Uh, all the while, Mobius and uh, Renslayer are having like, a little drink. And Mobius is going like, yo, I need, to, I need to go back. Why so soon? Oh, it's just because I stole your time iPad and I'm going to be doing some research illicitly about your about your knowledge, because I think something's up, but but I'm just I'm just tired. I want to go to sleep. Dude, we don't sleep, though. Well, what if we did, though? Alright, fuck it, fine, whatever. We solved the case. Good for you. Go have fun. Uh, and then the other Minuteman uh, is outside uh, Sylvie's door, and she's just kind of, like, asking questions, too, and Mobius is going, like, hey, is everything okay? And she's going, like, yeah, is everything okay with you? Yeah! Everything good? Yeah! Both of them are not good. Mm-hmm. They're very ungood. They're good. They're good to have. Yeah. Uh, and Mobius basically says, "All right, Loki, you can get out. You can get out. Timeout." I'm surprised they didn't make that joke in the show. And basically, Loki goes like, "All right, fine. I'm just gonna fucking Loki it up for a few minutes and go like, all right, cool. Uh, I came to her with the idea forever ago. This is all my plan." And Mobius goes. No, that's bullshit. And Loki goes like, yeah, it is. And Bo- Loki goes like, no, it's not bullshit. I don't care about her. All right, cool. Good. We killed her already. And Loki just immediately goes like, oh, no. Oh, you what? Am... 
I'm the sad. Loki is the worst liar in the show. <laughs> For the Prince of Lies, he is the worst liar in the show. I find it funny and hilarious. It's like he's so he's becoming more hard on his sleeve, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's Mo- becoming hu- more human, you could say. More human than human. Mm-hmm. And Mobius goes like, bro, what? No. Gross. You love her? She's you from another dimension. Oh, you narcissistic prick. The only person you can love is yourself? Gross. No, meanwhile, we didn't meanwhile, kill I'm her. Sit- I'm sitting there going like, yeah, brah. You get that cute little blonde lady. Yeah. Oh, you and you and tiny blonde ladies. Uh-huh. And Mobius goes like, no, we haven't killed her yet, but now that we know she's important to you, we're going to keep that in mind. All that kind of stuff. And Loki just basically goes like, bro, they're lying to you. The TV, all of you are variants. They wiped your memory. It's bullshit. And Mobius goes like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of, that's a big lie, dude. Send them back in time out. And Mobius goes like, oh, shit, fuck, I gotta fucking look that I gotta fucking find out. God damn it, Loki. Gotta, gotta, gotta double, ch- gotta fact check him. Gotta go to Wikipedia. Gotta check the sources. Yep. All the while, uh, the Minute, uh, Minuteman woman, who's been uh, kind of like the other major side character throughout this show, is like going like, fuck. Something's fucked with my head. And she walks into uh, Sylvie's interrogation chamber and goes like, all right, you need to tell me what's going on. You need to, we we need to have a discussion. Uh, and then we have the scene with Mobius and Renslayer where he steals the time iPad. I was wrong. By the way, the other uh, the other uh, Minuteman, her uh, her designation is B fifteen. Basically, uh, we get cut back to the the Minuteman and Sylvie. They're in front of Rock's cart where they where we were the other episode, and she basically goes like, "Yo, I can't I can't make new memory. I can only take what use what's there." And she and the Minuteman woman goes like, "All right, can you show me again?" So Sylvie does, and she goes like, "Oh man, she was happy. This sucks." The TVA sucks. Uh, while Mobius is uh, also uncovering this information. All the while, in several versions of uh, the time loop, Loki basically, like, has three different character arcs. He gets beaten into good boyness. Like, there's a moment where he legitimately, like, has a come-to-Jesus moment with Sif of, like, look, I thought it'd be funny. It wasn't. Is mean. I'm sorry. I just wanted attention. I- I, because I'm terrified of being alone. And then this fucking version of Sif just pulls him up and goes, you'll always be alone. And fucking walks off. But then, right after that happens, Mobius shows up, showing that he's not always going to be alone. Because he has a friend. A really good friend. Loki made a friend. Yeah. And then they walk out of the time loop, and then we see Rinslayer going like, "Hey, yo, Mobius, you did a you did a naughty." And Mobius decides to break all of our hearts by going like, "Yo, you know that question you asked me earlier? If I could go anywhere, do anything, what I would do? I'd go back and see my family. I'd go back to be the person I was. Cause I bet he was happy. I bet he had a jet ski. I bet that jet ski made him happy. And then they I, they just fucking mook him. Mobius yeah. is dead. Fuck you." What you talk about? I thought it was a really brave choice. Because everybody's falling in love with Mobius. Owen like, Wilson he, has done such a good job. Dude, they gave you a perfect amount of time and and all the little character beats 
to fall in love with this character in such a short amount of time and then instantly go for the throat like that, killing him off, instantly making you believe in the stakes of the coming finale. It's it's like, oh, shit, man. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Very, very much so. And also, like, we also had an entire episode without him. So at this point in time, we were missing him. We were going, like, oh, man. Mobius, and we get a bunch of Mobius this episode. Like, yeah, dude, sick. And then they just go like, nope, no more. At least in the moment, we'll get to that. Loki is terrified. He is like, oh shit, I lost my friend. Mm-hmm. That moment when he comes up next to when Sylvie gets brought up next to him, and she's just like, are you okay? And he can't even look at her in that moment. Mm. Yep. It's really good. And basically, Renslayer goes like, all right, cool. Y'all are a bunch of fuckers. You're about to meet the 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 the, the time dudes. Yeah, we're taking you to Quinnison Court, bitch. Yeah. And while they're in the elevator, Sylvie goes like, hey, you brought me into the TVA. Why? And then Renslayer goes like, I don't remember. It's a long ass time ago. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it, it simultaneously shows like, the utter insignificance they feel towards people, this organization does. The thoughtlessness of their uh, their their form of fascism. Yeah, it, it, it's bureaucratic. It's it, it's the kind of fascism that uh, that that's basically described. Oh, it was horrible, but the trains ran on time. Yeah, like, they're uh, they're in Jim Shooter era Marvel. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Bang pow zing. <laughs> Bing pow, zing! I stole that joke from Sal. <laughs> uh, but eventually, Loki and Sylvie beat up the guards around them, all, doing all that kind of stuff. And then Sylvie fucking straight up decapitates one of the dudes. And it's in this exact moment that I realize, oh fuck, the Timekeepers are the Quintessons. They're literally <laughs> the Quintessons from Transformers, because... Not just because we find out that they're robots, because yes, they're robots, but I prefer pretend- to think of them as animatronics. They're pretenders. They claim they made all this, but they're a fucking facade that just swooped in and took over something. Or they're they're something purposely placed there to be subterfuge. Mm-hmm. Because they're the Wizard the Quintess- of Oz. Because that's what the Quintessons are in most Transformers continuities, or they're retcon to be something like that at a later date. Well, the only exception I can think of uh, is Energon, where the planet is destroyed and there's just one Quintesson left, and now Cyberverse, where the Quintessons are interdimensional conquerors. Yeah, it's a fair enough version of the Quintessons. Mm-hmm. So are the Quintessons and Transformers like, okay, have you seen that speculative sci fi? evolution thing i can't remember what it's called it's not man after man it's a different one i'll have to show it to you but basically it's like there's an alien species that comes and meets humanity and goes like look at you oh you're trying to hurt us sweet we're just gonna fuck you up genetically and turn you into like birds and like sponges but you're still people this is not familiar to me now it is interesting but it's also like weirdly macabre body horror but it's not like Ooh, gross body horror. It's just more like, oh yeah, no, there's this uh, new species that of humanity that are basically filter feeder sponge, but they remain conscious and sentient the entire time while they're sponge people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucked up. 
good shit though. But uh, as as Loki and Sylvia are going, like, oh shit. Okay, the thing we thought was the the problem isn't the problem. Timekeepers are nothing. What's going on? We need to figure out who's in control of the TVA. As Renslayer pokes Loki in the back with a whoop stick. And it's at this moment that I went, oh shit. And then I went, oh shit! They did it! They made the bravest fucking choice possible. They killed Loki off before the finale. Let's fucking go! Yes! This is actually breaking new ground in the MCU. As Renslayer is then taken to the ground, as Sylvie goes like, okay, fucker, what's going on here? You know more than you're letting on. And then the credits roll. And then the a very, a very good, a very good song choice. Very good song choice. This week. Oh, yeah, no. Song cho- the thing I am most glad of is that James Gunn came into the MCU and went like, yo, MCU music? 70s. And everybody was just like, yes. Yes, agreed. Good. Thank you. 70s, Thank you. 80s, or like, you know, it's that kind of vibe. Concentrate on the 70s, maybe aggregate a little from either end as well. Up until the 90s. Because mm-hmm. uh, Captain Marvel, what's up? Well, and then, uh, Defenders, which is no longer canon, they they used some uh, fucking Nirvana. They also used hip-hop a lot, too. But that's mostly because of Luke Cage. Yeah. What's up, Wu-Tang? <laughs> um, then the mid-credits happened. And we see Tom Hiddleston, Loki, in a uh, deserted, deserted area going like, okay, what the fuck just happened here? And he just goes like, am I dead? And then a voice off screen goes like, you will be if you stay there. And then we turn the camera and it's into the Loki-verse. We have, uh, we have Kid Loki, Alligator Loki, Boastful Loki, which is an actual alternate version of Loki from the comics, I believe. And classic original 616 Loki, who's played by Richard E. fucking Grant. I lost it when I realized that. Because I don't think that's like 616 Loki. I you know what that Loki reminds me of. It's the Loki from the uh, the Loki comic. The comic pop just did a back issues on. Yeah, Blood Brothers. Yeah, that one. But you know, like it, that's that Loki. That's what it reminds me of. The old weird shitty loki mm-hmm. but like i i was mad at first because i was like ah oh, shit they didn't actually kill loki off we're doing one of those kind of things where he's gonna spend an episode getting some final character development before he goes off to the finale while sylvie's unraveling the mystery um but then when i saw all the other lokis i got real happy especially because richard e grant because for those of you who don't un- know richard e grant is a very prolific character actor in England, and every time he crops up in something I'm watching, he's always a delight. Oh, he's gonna be a delight because he's playing like old school classic style Loki. No, he's he's playing maniacally evil Loki. Shit, he's playing Avengers number one Loki. Mm-hmm. That man is gonna put the Hulk in the circus. God damn it. <laughs> no, he finds the Hulk in a circus and then he brings him out and does all that shit. Uh, I'm on the Marvel wiki so I can just uh, get some info information. Now, I know there's precedent for all the other ones in the comics, but is there precedent precedent for Alligator Loki? Because I've not seen that before. See, the thing that I think that is, is a world similar to Throki. The the Froki. The f- no Throg. Thorfrog. Frog Thor. Frog, 
Four. Okay. You know. Yeah, I could see that in a world where Frog Four exists, Loki's an alligator. Yeah, but it is definitely meant to be Kid Loki, which is Ecole, mm-hmm. which is the the current Loki. Yeah, no sweet. version of it. No, Ecole's different. Ecole was his bird. Oh. Also, we got a mention of vampires this episode. Yeah, they mentioned vampires, titans, and Kree. Mobius did specifically in one scene, which, by the way, I'm almost certain next episode is going to be like the quest to find Mobius and get back to the TVA. Yeah. Uh, we're also probably going to see uh, President Loki as a already established variant, not as our Tom Hiddleston Loki, but as a completely different Loki that's been already mooped into this little pocket universe. Maybe this is this is the reality that Loki originates from. Also, I'm looking at the wide shot of all the Lokis right now. And if you look to the left of, no, the right of Richard E. Grant Loki, there's a destroyed Avengers Tower in the background. Yep. No, I don't think there. No, I don't see a boastful Loki on the Marvel Wiki. I think Hmm. it's new. That's interesting. Because boastful Loki is the Loki that got Mjolnir, right? No, that's perfect Loki. Hmm. Because that's from a universe where it's, like, more pure. and Like, because that's the same universe that the current Moon Dragon and her wife is from. Hmm. And it's basically, like, what if Marvel, but, like, the really hopeful, optimistic DC moral, and, like, Loki's okay. a good guy? That's interesting. Like... Like, you know how earlier in the series, Loki was going, like, is there ever a Loki that wins? That's supposed to be the Loki that wins, essentially. Well, that's the thing, is, like, this whole episode, um, I kept going, like, oh, they're making really brave choices, killing characters off right here. Um, And you'd think I'd be mad or, like, annoyed going into this next episode with the predictions I'm making for it. I'm actually kind of excited because we keep talking about doing, this show is just Doctor Who tropes in the MCU. Yeah. Next week is a multiple Doctors episode, and that is literally the <laughs> most fun kind of Doctor Who episode you can have. But we are definitely, the we're getting vampires, which means, yo, bro, Blade. Mm-hmm. Morbius, except probably not, because it's a Sony movie. I mean, with the way they're doing shit, they can integrate it. Mm-hmm. And Sony seems to be, a will- Sony and Disney seem much more willing to play ball for Spider-Man. After yeah. that whole kerfuffle. Yeah, we have to we have to play nice for the kids' sake. Yeah. But 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 that was Loki. Bunch of shit going on. Mm-hmm. Very uh very exciting, very heavy episode, I find. Yes. But it just it just also just raises almost as many questions as it answers. Even more so. And now we have our final like goal for the series of like, all right, who's in control of TVA? Because here's the thing, people have been going like, oh, is this is this Kang? Is this Kang? Because realistically, it would make sense for it to be Kang. It would, wouldn't it? But I don't Kang's think it's Kang. supposed to be in Quantumania, isn't he? Here's the thing. I don't think it's Kang. Who do you think it is? Immortus. Who? Okay. God damn it, I have to explain <laughs> Kang now. Yeah! So Kang, if I remember right, is actually the descendant of Reed Richards. I knew that. And throughout Kang's life, throughout time travel and whatnot, he goes through many various identities. Not necessarily, like, personality, like, multiple personality bullshit. It's just more of, like, 
No, it's just the way I look right now. So I go by this name now. Including uh, Ramtut, which is an ancient Egyptian pharaoh, uh, King the Conqueror, and after King the Conqueror, he becomes Immortus. Okay. He's, just a, he's just an evil time dude. That's about it. So does but, that mean Quantumania will be a, a prequel to Loki? Yes. Uh, if COVID it's a, fucked up the release schedule! But here's the thing. It's time travel, so that's perfect. Yeah. But, uh... No, basically, I think at one point in time, Marvel just went like, all right, all the time travel characters, let's just retcon them into one dude so it's easier. <laughs> but Mortis also had a son who's the person who mind rape uh, Ca- uh, Carol Danvers in Avengers issue 200. Isn't that, is that Michael Korvac or is that someone else? No, Korvac's something different. Okay. But he, I think it's Immortus because here's the thing. The dude who's playing Kang said... Yo, I'm not in this. Why are you asking me about this? I'm not in this show. Well, because the character who is your character's wife is in this show, so obviously you must have some connection to this show, right? Also, it's about time, and you're a time character. It makes sense. But here's the thing. He doesn't have to be in the show, because they can yeah. get a different actor to play Immortus. Or Immortus could be a big CGI. Yeah. No, Immortus looks more human than Kang does. Let me fucking Google Immortus, then. He looks like a fucking dude. Oh god, that is ridiculous. <laughs> but he looks like a dude. He does look that's, like a dude. That's what make it that's what makes me think like it can be him because yo, Renslayer's a part of it. She's married to Kang, but it's not Kang because he hasn't filmed anything for Marvel yet. Yeah. He so, could also be lying. Don't forget that. He could be lying, but like, you know. This is also just a fun, neat Marvel thing they could do. And it would also add intrigue for people who have no fucking idea of, like, who the fuck is this dude? Oh, by the way, this is a future form of Kang. That's Kang? Oh, God, they're doing another Ant-Man movie? I don't... Oh, it ties into Loki? Okay. It ties into this thing that everybody's talking about and everybody's getting excited for? Yeah, sure. Sure, let's do it. Yeah. So I know people who have looked at both Ant-Man movies and being like, ah, oh, you can skip this. And then, like, three movies later go, oh, shit, I shouldn't have skipped that. I shouldn't have told people to skip that. Oh, you you mean the Ant-Man movie that leads directly into Endgame? Mm-hmm. That's something <laughs> I saw on Twitter today was somebody going, how, how many variant rats have been eliminated by the Timekeepers just because they didn't bring Scott Lang back? I mean that also le- adds like a level of like it. There's n- it's not as much of a cosmic fuck up that the rat did the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But it also adds like a, a level of fuck up of like why, 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 you know. It all it all had to happen exactly this way because we say so. Because yeah, more so we're gonna. All right, fucker. We've talked about Loki. I don't know what's gonna happen next. We're gonna see more Lokis at this point in time. It's you. It's hard to, like, guess what's going to happen. I say... Ne- next week on Loki. The day of the Lokis. I say we're going to see more Lokis. We're going to meet up with Mobius. They're going to go, like, all right, cool. What's going down? And Sylvie's going to get down to the they're bottom gonna, of this. They're going to run across, what is it, the Spirit Road from Dragon Ball? da 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 Yeah. They're going to run down that thing as, uh, as uh, Sylvie charges up the Spirit Bomb. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm pulling out all the all the all the Dragon Ball references I know right now. The Red Ribbon Army's gonna be there. Um, somebody's gonna have blue hair, 
and Loki's son is going to come from the future. There, that's all the Dragon Ball references I have outside of this character's hot. I mean, no lie, Goku is kind of hot. Oh, he is a very handsome young man. Perfect himbo energy. Uh, uh, no, like, I can't genuinely predict where it's going to go. I The best I can say is they're going to meet the bad guy, and the TVA is going to be reformed under Mobius. Like, I think, because here's the thing, Mobius genuinely believes in trying to protect the timeline. And I think that's a nice compromise between the idea, the like, the pure determinism that Mobius was preaching in the beginning and Loki's pure chaos of, no, there should be some chaos, but, like, there should be people there to, like, help the people who get swept up in the chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be Mobius's idea. He's going to be like, all right, cool. Timeline's a little bit more loose. It can be a little bit more free. But, like, uh, yo, what's up? Like I said, all the way back at the start, this might end up being the show that introduces the multiverse to MCU. Yep. I, as time goes by, I'm getting more and more worried about how they're doing the multiverse because part of me is afraid that they're going to chicken out and say it's not the same multiverse. I think they already have, to be honest. No, no, it can't be. I know, I know how you feel. It is Earth one nine nine nine. It's one nine 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 nine. That's what it is. And Mara Jade is still canon. Don't, don't, don't compare this to that. Oh, that's exactly what it is, brother. No, because the comics are still canon supremacy. For how long? What's selling? As long more? as they want to keep What's adapting selling more. Don't fucking do that. no. All right, all right. I won't confront okay. you with reality. Oh. I won't confront you with reality anymore this week. It's okay. Oh, Let's look no at question. some toys. No, no, no question. Where did Sam, uh, Sam, uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America start? Where did it start? That was uh... in the comics, right? It was in the comics, yeah. right? Where are you yeah. going with this? What the fuck are you doing, dude? Comics are draft one. Do you you don't have any movies without any comics? Comics are more. Arguing that I'm arguing that I don't think they want the comics to be part of the movies multiverse. It has to be. That's how what? every other multimedia franchise has done multiverse forever. That's how Marvel's been doing multiverse. That's how I'm pretty sure Gundam's done it to an extent. No, Gundam hasn't had crossovers like that. But that's how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did it. That's and if true, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can do it, MCU can fucking do it. I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like, I think the writing is on the wall that they might not be doing. I'm not All even saying do... I'm not even saying I'm sure that's not what they're doing. I'm just it's... saying that's the that's the vibe I'm picking up right now. They don't even have to ever have to go to 616 or touch it or anything. All they have to do is say, yo, we are actually part of the multiverse. We were just closed off to it for a bit because of the shenanigans and Loki, but we're Earth 199999. And over here's Earth uh, 1610, and here's Earth 616, and just kind of go like, they don't have to show them. Just go like, here's some major Earths that Marvel fans know of that you can just kind of throw out as Easter eggs. They are they are far enough away through the multiversal thread that we can never reach them. That's all you have to do and say like, each of these multiverses has little pocket multiverses around them, and that's the ones you kind of tend to interact with. Okay. That's the vibe I always get. All right, toy news. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm waving the white flag on this argument, folks, because it's it's gone from funny to dumb. Um, well, uh, another company has thrown their um hat into the ring of one twelfth scale collectible figures, uh, specifically 
uh, DC figures with the um, all-new all Beast Kingdom. I've never heard of this company before, but they seem to have a similar design philosophy to Mezco with their 112 collective line. They are doing the 8-action heroes Superman which is actually going to be, uh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's going to be a 119 scale figure, um, which it stands eight inches tall. It has a full fabric costume with an articulated skeleton underneath, tons of effects, two different heads you can display it with, and multiple hands. Um, and it's going to retail for $90. Um, I'm not familiar with Beast Kingdom. I, like I said, this is the first thing I've ever seen from them. Uh, I like the body of this figure. However, this the head sculpts on this figure pissed me off. Because there's no happy face. It's it's a it's a it's a grumpy face, and it's a I'm a gonna kill you with my heat vision face. This is a Superman figure for Zack Snyder fans. Yeah, this is like I, I went on a whole rant about this on Twitter the day this got revealed. Because like my whole opinion on this figure is, I'm sorry, but if you're making a figure of the nicest guy on the face of the earth and he doesn't have a smiling face, you're doing your job wrong. Because otherwise, this looks like a great figure. But with either of those head sculpts, he looks like he's going to kill everybody in the room. And that's not Superman. Super you can have... You can have an angry face for action poses, but that needs to be the alternate head sculpt. The default head sculpt should be a calm or happy expression. Yeah. At least some of the comments in the, the, the Toy Arc article you sent me uh, are kind of agree. It's like everything from the neck down looks good. It's like, yeah. yeah. Like, like the first thing I saw was like, oh, they're just, they would just went with a very neutral face. And then I saw, oh, it only has two heads. That's dumb. Because mm -hmm. it also is like trying to emulate that Christopher Reeve style Superman. Yeah. And I mean, the accessories are cool. I like the idea of an angry heat vision face. I'm not against that. I like the idea of green chains you can have him pose like he's breaking out of. I would have thrown in a few more effects to represent some of his other powers. Like, how does no company do an effect for a Spree's Breath? How has no company done an effect for Superman's Spree's Breath yet? Um, At least just give us a head of him yeah, going. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's I want to like the figure, but I probably wouldn't get it anyway because it's too big to fit in with my other figures. So meh. let's move on to some Marvel news where uh, the Age of Apocalypse wave now has in hand uh, photography. We We are seeing what this wave is going. The actual figures are going to look like because before it was all uh, CG renders because that's how Hasbro has been designing things since the beginning of COVID is exclusively via CG renders. Um, but now we have actual product shots, which means these are probably rolling off the factory line and getting shipped over to the US right now. In fact, this is from the beginning of the week, so I would not be surprised if these are on boats at the moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, I will admit they do look a good bit better in hand, especially Iceman. Iceman looks a lot better in hand because he his blue color is a lot more prominent. He doesn't look like he's just completely clear in some spots. But he has, still has um, that kind of clear vibe, but, which is uh, cool for an icy dude. Yeah, he's he's translucent blue. He's not straight clear, which I dig. Um, I also like the shading on uh, Legion's pants. That's nice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't have much additional. To- oh yeah, I should mention a lot of people were complaining about Kitty's head sculpt. It's uh, it's it's definitely a downgrade compared to the render. The render looked much more accurate, much more darker color in the hair. Uh, the eyes were a lot less uh, squinty. Is is a way I could put it. Um, th- this head sculpt looks like something was lost in translation. Cyclops really looks really good though in hand. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely rocks it. I I also have warmed up to this version of Sabretooth a little bit. I gotta admit, I uh, I'm half tempted to get him just to put him next to uh, freaking uh, what's the skinny one's name? He he's in Hellions. Skinny Wolverine. Skinny, skinny, saber tooth looking guy got killed during Exo Swords. Oh, came back child. looking wild, yeah, child. wild, wild child. child. Yeah, because they're the first stage of Apocalypse Wave had Wild Child in it, and it's kind of funny. He gets killed in Exo Swords and comes back buffer. Now this saber tooth is coming out, and it looks like post Exo Swords Wild Child. Wild Child post Exo Swords is not that buff. Yeah, that's fair. But no, it's a very solid looking fake. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, solid looking wave. Again, the only one I'm really jonesing to get is Legion, just because it's the first Legion figure in this line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm sure those who are already locked in for it will enjoy it. Um, next, we have a little bit of a preview, and I'm guessing we won't get the full reveal of these figures until the show is over. But Hot Toys has teased their Loki and Sylvie figures with that one image. You don't need to click on the article. I mean that that jacket looks really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Those are gonna be uh, those are gonna be big figures too. For those of you who don't know, Hot Toys is one six scale, which is twelve inch. That's doll size. Yeah, Hot Toys see, always feels like the thing of like you have to either collect toys or Hot Toys. Mm-hmm. Because Hot Toys are also like one hundred and fifty dollars each standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can get like three Transformers for. Oh, dude, you can get like. Eight transformers for that if you're smart. See, I was also thinking like, oh yeah, a Unicron. That I think like three or four hot toys would equal a Unicron. <laughs> Is that just how we're gonna measure uh currency from now on? It's just in how many toys you can buy? I'll have one quarter Unicron, please. Yes, I'll uh, I'll spin three Marvel Legends. God, wouldn't that have been amazing if they had done Unicron as a Build-A-Figure throughout the whole of the War for Cybertron line? You just get, like, a thumb with one figure? I mean, dude, why not? Oh, my God. No, the, uh, no, that's how you build Primus. Yeah, do that for the next trilogy, Hasbro team. But uh, it is now time to enter the Toddverse. Are you ready? Oh, give me, give me the Todd. All right. So, give me uh, that Todd all over my face. I will give you much Todd. Starting with the DC Multiverse Batman Beyond Build to Collect Batwoman. Uh, sure. Batwoman Beyond is a thing I was not aware of, but I went and read up on it. Uh, apparently in the Batman Beyond comics, there's a point where Terry disappears and Dick Grayson's daughter, who he did not have with Barbara Gordon, but has red hair, um has to take on the mantle. She gets a hold of the suit and she becomes Batwoman for a little while. And that's what this figure is. Uh, And I gotta admit, I'm not super into it. I think the shoulder pads look weird. I don't like how the symbol's kind of hanging off the lower torso. Um, It's it's just not a look that I think really works, Um, which is weird because it's the same basic design idea of Batman Beyond. There's just these little extra flares on it 
that I'm sure is to make the figure better articulated, but make me go like, yeah, I wish you hadn't done that. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine design. It's just not the best toy. Also interesting that they're still kind of keeping Blight in shadow. We know Blight is the build-to-collect figure, but he has not been was... fully revealed yet. I thought it looked like it. I thought that looked like the Joker who laughs. No, the the Batman who laughs. No, that's a different. Oh no! Thing. No, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, moving on from that, we also have the DC Multiverse Demon Knight Etrigan and King Shazam. Oh shit! Etrigan's my boy. Yeah, and I like this Etrigan design. It's very. It strays very far from the classic design. But it still looks pretty badass, and I think you could also fit it into some alternate displays. Like, imagine this with like some Dark Souls figures or stuff. Like. Imagine this just looks like a perfect person, uh, perfect version of Etrigan to be in like a Justice League Dark display, mm-hmm. with like a battle badass Wonder Woman and like John. Have they ever made a John Constantine toy? I mean, they have, but not in this line. Can't wait for that Detective Chimp. Oh yeah. Like we say that you say that name and people go like what? And it's like no, Detective Chimp's badass. Fuck you. Yeah, Detective Chimp's great. Um, King Shazam though uh, definitely looks like a hard pass because it's more Dark Knight's metal, the the infected kind of shit, and I'm not down with that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, y- yeah, but Etrigan's cool. I want I want to see a classic Etrigan too. Mm-hmm. But like this Etrigan's a cool Etrigan. Uh, I've been. I watched this uh, toy news and review channel called The Floosh, and he's been theorizing a lot that their strategy is probably similar to Marvel Legends, where they're doing super modern version of the f- characters to get the molds out there, and then once they have enough parts built up, they can mix and match to do classic versions. So Fair it'll enough. probably be in like another year, year and a half, we'll see classic Etrigan. Yeah, no, but like classic Etrigan... For lack of a better way of describing it, I like DC characters that feel like they can be Marvel characters. <laughs> like Etrigan and Static and And Supergirl, because we've we've discovered on this podcast that Supergirl technically is a Marvel character. Yeah, no, no, she's just Russian in Marvel. Yeah. Oh, Lord, what have you done to me? And it has a demon fetish. Oh, Lord, what have you done to me? Anyway, uh, the Suicide Squad is getting DC Multiverse figures, and we've gotten some new images and reveals for them, uh, including the fact that uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker will be getting exclusive unmasked variants, and the Build to Collect King Shark will be released as a single-carded figure um, as a like exclusive figure at uh, Toys R Us, or not Toys R Us, excuse me, uh, Walmart. And it will come oh. with a dif- it will have different printing on the shorts and will come with two decapitated limbs. Oh, there I thought you, that it was just an alternate head. No, it's a completely different figure. What are you talking about there? Uh Bloodsport and uh John Cena. They're the same figures, they just have different heads. They're in different boxes. That's because they don't come with accessory. the build. That's because they don't come with the build to collect parts. What do you mean? Wait a minute. What am I looking at here? Look at the Peacemaker box and then go to the right of you and look at the Peacemaker unmasked box. They're they're selling them as two different figures, not as an accessory. Yeah, that's what I said. They're unmasked variants that'll be exclusive to stores. When you said unmasked, I thought it was an accessory. Oh, well, that's just miscommunication on everyone's part there. 
Oh, um, John Cena also gets a sword and an axe. God damn it. Yeah, because Warner Brothers doesn't want toys of their characters coming with guns right now. So everybody gets a sword or a javelin in this line. But King Shark, massive shark man can come with decapitated limbs as accessories. That's perfectly fine. Hey. Also, there's going to be guns all over that fucking movie, too. At least Polka Dot Man gets his Polka Dots. Yeah, and his goggles come up. He doesn't have an unmasked variant. It's just you can move his goggles up, which I think is nice. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about having unmasked versions not as like accessories, but as like variants. Yeah, that's a thing Todd has been doing for a little bit now. I'm not a huge fan of it, especially because, as exemplified by this line, his unmasked heads aren't the best. Dude needs to get a hold of some face printing technology. Um, but uh. He, I, I that John little... Cena looks like John Cena from 2004. Yeah. Um, but I get the logic behind it, though, because he's explained a couple times part of the reason they do it. Because um, if you're not aware, Todd does these like long live streams where he'll reveal his figures. He doesn't do the traditional press releases, which is fun. It's quirky. Um, but he's explained like this is part of how they pay for the molds so that the line doesn't get too glutted up with repaints, is, like, not on masthead, store exclusive. Fair enough, but it's just, like, I, I prefer it as accessories. That way you can choose whether you want to or not and not have to spend an extra 20 bucks, you know? Definitely. That, that, that is my preferred path, but I also get the logic behind Todd's path. It's that catch-22. Yeah. Um, but then uh, we have reveals of some uh mcfarlane uh sdc exclusives mm. that are going to be released through target because sdcc isn't happening this year it's uh it's still off until next year um mm. and that is a armor version of their justice league movie dark side uh the unmasked peacemaker was going to be an sdcc exclusive and a repaint of one of their Mortal Kombat figures. And in that article, I think they, yeah, they just have pictures of the dark side. It's a cool looking classic dark side. It's a, it looks like a tunic. It's, it sure is a redesign. I'll give it that. Here's the thing. If I saw this dark side in like a comic, I'd go like, you know what? They tried to update the classic Jack Kirby looking dark side and they did an okay job. The only one that's ever made me it's do the color. that. The color helps. That's what yeah, I'm it, saying. It's a nice color. I'll give it that. But the only one that's ever made me do that, and I'm looking it up right now to show you, is the Mezco uh, dark side. Come on. Get it for me. This is, uh, yeah, I saw that comment too. Uh, this is my dream dark side figure. I need to get a hold of this. Oof. I want, want, I want something in that style, but Doom. Like Doctor Doom? Like Doctor Doom. We may be seeing that soon with that Fantastic Four multi-pack they're doing. I know, but like imagine a Doom with like all the magic accessory, magic like effect parts, but like science Kirby crackle parts and like... But uh, swinging back to Hasbro and Marvel for a minute, uh, Marvel has revealed, or sorry, Hasbro has revealed their Marvel Legends uh hasbro PulseCon exclusives uh if you're not aware hasbro PulseCon is an event that hasbro did earlier this year as a replacement for toy fair they're going to be doing another one in september as a replacement for sdcc we'll be seeing a lot of news out of that and also they're releasing some exclusives as part of it uh first and foremost is 
the Marvel Legends Spider-Man Retro Collection Venom. And that's a good 90s cartoon Venom. It looks amazing. This is... This is the Venom figure I've wanted from Marvel Legends since day one. Because I've told you before how, like, cartoon, 90s cartoon Venom is how I always envisioned Venom in my head. Is he is bigger than Spider-Man, but not as big as the Hulk. Um, And this is a Venom that's on the Omega Red body and also has cell shading paint to make it look like it's right out of the 90s cartoon. Uh, Which means, like... Heavy neon highlights, one half blue, one half red, which looks amazing. Yeah, it looks really cool. If I'm being honest, I would prefer it without the highlights. I think that would be better for figure photography and shelf display. But I get why they put them on there. They look great. Uh, I think this would be a great figure to get and display mint on card. But then, that's not the only Hasbro PulseCon exclusive. The other one which is very clearly meant to be an SDC exclusive, is the Marvel Legends Venom, or I'm sorry, MODOK World Domination Tour. Yep. Because it's it's a remold of that MODOK they just put out, but now he's got Elvis hair and shades. He has a microphone accessory, a burger beam effect part, and he comes with the, the, the captain from Next Gen, which I believe is the book this uh this look is based off of next wave next wave of hate Mm. but just a whole ass other figure as an accessory who seems to have some new parts i think those shoe parts are new but also like he is a character that's like not used often so it makes total sense like he is only going to be a character that people who want this modok will want Mm -hmm. like i looked at this and i went that is hilarious and awesome but I definitely don't need it. I can I can easy pass on this set. It is very much uh, 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 it is a set for the people who love next uh, next wave. Mm-hmm. So I hope everybody who likes um, uh, next wave can get can get a hold of it because um, I still don't have regular Modoc. I've seen him in the store three times and just haven't had the money to get him. Um, but uh, I am ca- I won't lie. I'm very tempted by that venom. I might be looking to get that venom. We'll see. We'll see how events proceed. Um, but uh, let's move over to Kyoto, who have revealed two variants for the Rebel Tech Amazing Yamaguchi line. Uh, the first of which is to coincide with the uh, release of the movie Venom Let There Be Carnage. Are we going to talk about that when it releases on this show? We can. I don't okay. know if I'll be able to see it, though. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is like I like the first Venom but I don't know if I'd go see a sequel to it in theaters. You know what I mean? Right. We may talk about it when it comes out on home video, folks. Yeah, uh, but for now, uh, there is the Rebeltech Amazing Yamaguchi 008EX Carnage Limited Edition Clear Version, which is the same, the exact same figure as the first Carnage they did, but now it's made in clear red plastic instead of the solid red plastic it was originally, which honestly looks way better. If you look up the, the original figure, it's it's got kind of like a muddy, muddled look to it, but the clear version gives it this kind of ethereal, energetic um, vibe that I love. I'm honestly kind of tempted by this. Yeah, see, so like, Venom needs to be matte. Carnage needs to be shiny. Yeah. Because Carnage is Chaos Boy. Carnage is a serial killer. 
Carnage is a serial killer. Uh, but and personally, I also believe he's also an arsonist. Shout out to the Spider-Man cartoon, how they censored Cletus's origin. <laughs> Remember, in the cartoon, he was an arsonist, not a serial killer. Yeah. But we also have a uh, another variant in the Rebeltech Amazing Yamaguchi line, which is the uh, Deadpool X-Force version 2. They're releasing a variant of that new Deadpool we discussed last week in X-Force colors. Hell yeah, X-Force. Yeah. I honestly think this is a great idea because, uh, again, to go back to something the Foosh talked about, for people who bought the first Deadpool and were looking at the second one going... I think I'll pass on that. They never released the first Deadpool in X-Force colors. This is your excuse to buy the new mold. Yeah. The X-Force Deadpool is like one of the good, one of the great Deadpool costumes. Mm-hmm. There's so many characters in Marvel who are like, yo, their, their original costume is great, it's classic, iconic, but then there's that black version. That black version, though. Like, pretty much anybody who has an X-Force costume, I'm like, yo, I want the regular version of them, and I want the X-Force version. Please and thank you. Yeah. But no, that looks fantastic. And now it's time to get into some spoiler territory. The next thing we're going to talk about contains spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home via action figures. So if you don't want to be... If you don't want to be spoiled... For Spider-Man No Way Home, skip to in the timeline. Boingo will put it in later. No, I won't. Okay, well. Just... Hey, if you're li- if you're watching this on YouTube, the YouTube video always says spoilers beware. That's true. That's you true. have a constant spoiler warning. But we have uh, four Marvel Legends reveals for Spider-Man No Way Home, as well as some other uh, more kitty toys. And they are J. Jonah Jameson, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man in an updated Iron Spider suit, and a new Spider-Man costume that is black and gold. And it has Miles fingers. Mm-hmm. Though those Miles fingers aren't there on the Funko Pop, so I wonder if that's a deco mistake on Hasbro's part. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. And a bunch of toy-ass toys to be toys. Yeah, kids' toys. Not not our adult collectibles that we've been discussing for the last 40 minutes. Uh, I like the... I like. Are those the same pants as uh, the classics, uh, as the suit molds that they've been doing? Yeah, this is essentially the same suit mold with a new head. Um... I think that jacket piece has been used before. I think so. I'm not entirely sure, but their suit mold is solid, and it's 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 a really easy way to get this character out. Yeah, Spider Man looks good. Mm-hmm. He, he looks a little more like Romita esque. Uh, which one? Like, uh, I'm just looking at this picture of uh Spider Man, and I'm just going like, yo, that has the that has like that classic like post-it go like death of Gwen Stacy era of Spider-Man like the slightly broader chest but still slim mm. you know yeah, that I kind of vibe that. I also think this Doctor Strange it's a lot of reuse from the figure that came out when his first movie hit but there's an updated face sculpt and uh, I think those are new arms I think he's got better articulation in the arms and that's definitely a new torso overlay I just realized because I was looking at a, a picture of the old figure so yeah, some much-needed updates to Doctor Strange, and 
very obviously, if he's getting a figure for this movie, the rumors are true. He's going to be a big part of the movie. Yep. Be interesting to see how that plays out. But that's all the news that's fit to print. So what do you uh, what do you want to do first? Do you want to do your current comics? Do you want to do my current how comics? Many, how many comics did you read this week? So let's just kind of figure that out. Well, that depends. Are we counting X-Men catch-up? Well, here's the thing. I read a couple X-Men books. We're outside of the Hellfire Gala now, so there's no real like overarching thing, so we can do the X books whatever wherever. So do you I read to... I read free new comics this Wednesday, and then I went back and reread the back half of X of Swords because I fig I found I couldn't remember it as well as I wanted to. And then I read two aftermath issues. I read Hellions number seven and X Factor number five. Well, you've also been kind of guiding us through the toy, so why don't I take some comic first? And when you want to talk about some some of the stuff you've read, just, like, yank it away from me. All right. So I read issue one of the United States of Captain America. I read that, too! Okay, then just talk about it. Um, what did you think of it? I was very concerned for the first few pages. I was very concerned it was going to be the kind of Captain America book I hate which is when a writer just uses it to publish their Twitter, their Twitter timeline. Um, oh, like all that narration from Steve. I was like, I, I get it, but this is a little too much for me. And then the other guy dressed as Captain America bursts through the window and it becomes a story. Yeah. It, it, it's very much just setting up the themes of like, what is America? What does the American dream mean when most people can't achieve that dream? And where does, where does a symbol for that stand when most of the things he symbolizes can easily be turned around against him? And I like how they're playing into that of, of Cap and, uh, and Sam going like, man, there's so many people who call themselves Captain America or some version of Captain America. Now we might as just, well, we might as well just make a fucking Captain America guidebook. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, no, an evil cap bum rushes in and steals the shield. Just the shield. Mm -hmm. And then they go on a little merry adventure in the, with the train and everything. Yeah, that's really cool classic comic book stuff to have Captain America trying to stop and then dealing with the aftermath of a train crash. Yeah. And then they see uh, a person who kind of looks like Captain America in and around and goes like, oh, is that the dude? And they get him and the guy's going like, yo, dude, I was trying to help. And Cap's going like, what the fuck's going on? And he goes like, I'm just, I'm just on the tracks. I'm on the rails. I'm just trying to help people as best, best I can. And a cap, um, Captain America immediately goes like, all right, cool. You're helping us now. Yeah. You're a good boy. We like you. Uh, and this guy so, just seems really cool. Yeah. Cause we also get his backstory in the backup feature. And I hope that, I hope that continues to be a regular thing. It's just backups of like, here's another Captain America. Um, I like this interpretation of like turning Captain America into a folk hero, not just a superhero, but like he's Paul Bunyan. Yeah, he's Spartacus. Yeah, every anybody can be Captain America, and that's what this is going on about. And it's trying to reclaim that idea of like what is America, mm -hmm. you know? Which I can do. This new Captain America, the Captain America of the railways, is a 19 year old gay kid. Who escaped a concentration camp. A corporate concentration camp. And is also just a general runaway and helps other teen runaways. Like, that's his focus. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's, it's really cool. And basically, Steve and Sam go, like, yeah, no. 
you never know where he's going to be, but he's a good egg. Yeah. Keep an eye out for this boy if you need help. Yeah. And, like, basically, uh, Sam and Steve go, like, all right, cool. Captain America road trip. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. We're doing we're doing Green Arrow, Green Lantern in this book. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's really cool. Like, I, I think there were some people concerned when they were going, like, oh, hey, here's some new Captain Americas that's going to be in this new book. And people were going, like, what? This makes total sense. It's so good. Yeah. Like I said, I was very concerned with those first few pages, but it very quickly won me over after that. They needed to set up the theme. That's about yeah, it. I, I get also it. like how it's... I was, uh, I was having, like, straight Nick Spencer flashbacks reading that. I won't lie. But they they also had uh, uh, Steven as a uh, kind of stealth suit, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Nice Steve was in the stealth suit. Uh, Sam was in his awful current Falcon costume. Um, Maybe this is also a way to get him out of that costume and into something new. Yeah, it looks like next week him and uh, Steve are both going to be in their Captain America costumes. Yeah, or next yeah, month. Really... Say this is yeah next month. It's monthly. Yeah, um, very cool that they put this out the Wednesday before Fourth of July. Yeah, which by the way, we're we're recording this on Fourth of July Eve. Everybody, don't forget to leave out beer and wings for Captain America. No, no, no. He he he. Captain America is a little bit nicer than that. Leave out some whiskey, <laughs> uh, bourbon, because it's a good old American drink. Yeah, no, uh, really good. I can't wait to see more. It seems like a nice, fun, if politically charged, romp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then read Amazing, uh, Giant Size, Amazing Spider-Man, the con- uh, Chameleon Conspiracy finale. I did not read this. Tell me all about it. Okay, so you've been keep uh, so I've been telling you about the chameleon conspiracy of like oh Peter Parker is doing an a thing and Teresa Parker is dealing with chameleon and the finisher. Yeah. Okay, so essentially Peter Parker saves his friend and the the weird clairvoyance device. That's about it. There's a bunch of double turns there. Not a ton of important stuff. But the entire time on Teresa Parker's side, they've been hinting at yo you may you may not actually be a Parker. You may not oh. actually be Peter Parker's sister. Oh. Which Sal from Comic Pop's been going on, yes, put the genie back in the bottle. And I'm going like, no, she's cool. Let Peter Parker have family other than Aunt May. And basically Chameleon and uh, Finisher go on and go like, yo, here's kind of Chameleon's backstory and how... We make a bunch of chameleons, which are just people who can disguise themselves as sleeper agents and do all that kind of stuff. And they go like, yo, double agents and go like, yeah, no, you could have you could have really been Peter Parker, the Parker's kids. Or you could have been an orphan we found at one of these places. Or you could have been the kid of some chameleons that put took the place of the Parkers and just integrated that way. We can never be certain unless you like do a thing, unless you like unless you like actually do so, like figure it out per- personally, you know? Like you have to do you have to burn the world down to get this information and you will never be certain unless you do. Kind of thing. Interesting. Basically, she, no, they're telling her you have to do this thing, the the A you have to get the thing from the A plot and bring it here and we'll tell you the information, you know, that kind of stuff. And we get back to the Sp- Spider-Man A plot, they're doing superhero stuff, they're saving the day, blah blah blah. And then we get a little scene with Teresa Parker and Peter Parker, they're on the rooftop, and Peter goes like, "Yo, you're a super secret spy. You you know the secret places to send. You put this clairvoyant future telling device away so it doesn't hurt anybody. 
basically giving her the pass to figure out all the information she would ever want to know for certain, you know, she hugs Peter Parker. She says, I love you. And she basically goes, uh, I could go back right there right now and try to force him to tell me the truth. My only fear is maybe he does. How would I survive hearing that? The answer is I wouldn't. It would break me. I've spent a lifetime fighting these demons, questioning who I am, fearing what I might become. The idea that it could be a thing that I hate the most is something too terrible to face. No, that's not who I am. The finisher is right about one thing. Who we are, where we're from, we decide these things. She breaks it and basically goes like, yeah, nah, bitch. I don't care what my backstory is. I'm Teresa Parker. Found family. I am Peter Parker's sister. Found This is what I want to be. Let's go. Yes, good. Even though we don't, there's uncertainty. So if another writer wants to fucking actually open that genie, fine, whatever. But they're just going like, no, Teresa Parker is family. Suck it up, old comic nerds. <laughs> and uh, then we get some uh, hints of like chameleon and uh, uh, the uh, centipede dude that's been fucking with Peter, Harry, you know, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of jazz. But yeah, no, Teresa Parker. Still Peter, still, still, still a Parker. And I love it. Fuck yeah. Just tell me when you want to start talking about your comics that you read. Uh, how about we start interspersing? Because I don't think we have any more crossover this week. Um, all right. So, uh, like I said, I read uh, two Aftermath issues for X of Swords, starting with Hellions number seven, uh, which is basically just we have to get the Hellions back together because they all fucking die. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it's 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 fucking hilarious how it opens with a sinister pleading to the quiet council and, and they're all like should we just should we tell him that we're already resurrecting most of them right now and i was just like no let him score let him score beautiful it's perfect that's how sinister should be treated he should be seated as a threat but the minute they can fuck him over yeah let's fuck him over mm-hmm. Um, but no, they get everyone back, uh, and uh, we uh, we see the new versions of uh, Wild Child and uh, Nanny, I believe is the and egg lady's name. Don't we get another one of Orphan Maker? Orph- that's the plot now, is uh, Orphan Maker's uh, suit was damaged beyond repair, so they need to go get Nanny's ship out of Impound so she can make him a new suit. Yep. Um and uh it's it's just a bunch of setup for that and it's also the reveal of why kawan has been cooperating with sinister so much uh which is that he has her daughter's dna and he basically says yo be my bitch for a little while and i'll bring your daughter back um because remember her daughter's human not a mutant that was gonna be my question i was like why can't she just go to the the five but okay um so her daughter is pre-established as well, right? Yes. Okay, because I know shit all about Kawan. <laughs> so this is this is basically my introduction to that character, and I'm like, all right, cool motivation. I like I like it. I also like um, uh, what's his name, the dude with the robot arm, uh, being like, yo, so Wild Child, what's it like being back and stronger? And he's just like, I just want to hunt and kill and mate. I want a mate, and it's like, oh fuck. He's he's feral Wolverine. He's feral horny Wolverine. Yeah, the most dangerous combo. Um, and then the uh, the sequence when they crash the plane into the into the installation and kill Sinister's uh, beloved AI son was also great. Um, 
but no, just a solid issue setting up for more stuff to come. And uh, I'm still liking Hellions. Hell yeah. Finger guns. Woo! Woo! But you're wrong. We do have some crossover. Issue okay. seven of crossover. Hey. Where are you reading that? Because I haven't seen it pop up on the website I use. Right there. I'm gonna bookmark this. That's the actual comic, so you need to go back and get the uh yeah, get all the issues. But no, issue seven of uh crossover is kind of um kind of like a little short story in between uh the last major reveal and the uh next arc that they're gonna be doing. Uh and we open up on a burger joint, uh, and you have this dude yelling at this man, going like, yo, Davey, what's wrong? Why why'd you fuck up the burger? And he's just, like, sad and pathetic, and he's just going, like, ah, oh, fucked up the burger. And here's the thing. If you watch comic book interviews, you recognize this man already. This is a man you recognize. Oh? I'm sending you the page. Because you, because um, if you watch comic book interviews, you'll recognize this man. Very interested to see what you're implying here. Does that man not look familiar? Is that Tom King? No. Who the fuck is that? That's Chip Zdarsky. Oh my god! Guess who's writing this issue? Chip Zdarsky? Yeah. Guess who also shows up? Chip Zdarsky. Actual Chip Zdarsky. Okay, so here's the thing. This man is the writer. The real world person who is the writer of comic books who goes by the pen name Chip Zdarsky. His real name is Steve Murray. And he is on the run basically because of the crossover event where all the superheroes come to the real world and fuck everything up. Comic book authors and artists are being basically treated like shit and hunted down. So he's on the run. He's running away. And he's 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 trying to do as many odd jobs as he can, but he's miserable because he's shit at everything other than writing. Makes sense. and so he pops into a comic book shop. He 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 he's longing for the good old days, you know. I'm being hailed. All right. All right. Yeah. No. Sorry about that. No. Chip Zdarsky uh, goes into a comic book shop, try to to relive the older days. Uh, and the comic book uh, shop owner recognizes him and goes like, "Yo, you're Chip Zdarsky." So they you'll get a fucking beer. And they, he asks like, "Yo, what are you doing here?" And he goes like, "Well, I'm running away because I'm afraid. Uh, I also have a feeling that someone is chasing me." And I don't know who it could be. And he goes like, someone in a, and Trip Dzarski then brings up, yo, all these fictional characters came into the real world. How many of those characters did we fuck over and would want to kill us? Ooh. And he goes like, yeah, no. And like, and the guy just points out, but you wrote Howard the Duck. Do you think it, Howard the Duck is coming to kill you? And he goes like, no, or Jughead or Star-Lord. It's not who they are. And not John and Susie from Sex Criminals. And he just basically points out, goes like, and goes like, there's other characters who might want to kill me. And he's just getting paranoid. And then he sees the person he thinks is coming to try and kill him. It's going to take a second for it to load. But, uh, turns out it's Chip Zdarsky. Oh, wow. Because he put himself in the background of one of his books. Oh. And it's Chip Zdarsky. Not Steve Murray. Oh. So he's the fun... He's the guy on Twitter who tells the jokes. He's the guy... Ah, he's the fun guy. And basically, 
he starts running away in the woods, and then... Oh, this is Terry Bollea running from Hulk Hogan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then eventually, Chip Zdarsky tackles Steve. That's the way we're going to tell them apart. The fictional version is Chip Zdarsky, Steve is the real man. And he just goes like, bro, I'm trying to save you. And they basically have a conversation of like, yo, I'm like, you're me, but like confident and funny, and I'm a piece of shit. And Chip Zdarsky goes like, yeah, and I'm trying to help you. And he goes like, yo, I have no idea what's like, they're just have a conversation and goes like, I thought you might have wanted to kill me. What suicide idea uh identification? I don't fucking know. I'm not like Hickman smart. But basically he goes like, yo, I think like something's something's up. You did this, you made me to protect you, and I'm real and incredibly hot. I don't know who's trying to kill you, but I tell you this, they'll have to do go through me to do it. And we just have this beautiful image of like self-love and actualization. Of Chip Zdarsky spooning Steve. Whoa. Let's give it a second to load. Well, that's a heck of a thing. Then they're driving and they get ran uh, and they basically get ran over on the road because there's a dude there in a black suit. We don't see who it is or even like an idea of who it can be. But eventually, but like Chip Zdarsky goes like, all right, Steve, you need to run. This is what I'm here to do. I'm here to protect you. So he goes to fight the dude in black and he just go- looks up at him and goes like, well, fuck me. I mean, you don't have to, but it'd be nice before you. And then we just see a splash of red. Like Chip Zdarsky knows who this character is. I don't know. What if, that, can- what if that joke was foreshadowing and it is Jonathan Hickman? I just had a thought. What if this is the Spider-Man from the what if he's writing? Because that Spider-Man's killing people. Hmm. I don't know, man. There's things you can do. And then uh, Steve goes to uh, a couple guys, and I don't, I can't remember who they are. I they look so familiar, but they go to a bunch. Uh, he goes to a couple comic book character detectives, and I don't know where they're from. They look so fucking familiar. This is Sam and Twitch. No, they. It's a man and a woman. I'm sending you the picture. That's the detectives from Powers. Oh, did he write Powers? No, that's Bendis' indie series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's getting their help to find out who killed Chip Zdarsky. Hmm. So all in all, a very meta book. Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) And then next week, we're back on uh, uh, Kate's. Nice. And I think Madman might be showing back up because... uh, the the art that they're showing to like hype uh, hype up the next uh, issue has a little madman in it. Oh boy! Part of me really hopes this is canon in Madman. Like this is the next Madman adventure after the last one. That'd be neat. I kind of I kind of want to tweet Mike Allred that and just go like, Hey yo, does this this crossover uh, is crossover like a thing that actually happens to Frank or is this a different art? Or do you consider this a different Frank? He's like, I don't fucking know. I'm trying to write ecstatics right now. And if you don't care, fuck me, right? If you don't care, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just being dumb, curious nerd. Oh, boy. Um, but uh, do you have anything else to say on that? No, it's just a good issue. Uh, in a long line of, line of good issues. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well... Uh, the, uh, the other X-Men book I read this week, uh, X of Swords Aftermath is, 
uh, X Factor number five, which opens up with the uh, the Mojoverse live stream of Wind Dancer being shot on camera for people's entertainment. Yay! Social commentary. Woo! Wind Dancer's got her powers back though, so that's nice. Yeah, because she gets resurrected immediately. Um, and I like the world building of acknowledging, like, hey, every time we bring a flyer back. The first fucking thing they do is fly. That's like their that's like their base instinct. That's interesting. But it's also like it's kind of like nice and hopeful and saying like that's an experience that they have and they they love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also dealing with the new version of Rock Slide, trying to figure out who they are and discovering like oh their timeline literally starts when we tried to resurrect Rock Slide. This is a completely new person. Just cementing that idea. Um, and then uh, there's some stuff with Emma being like, yo, I feel like shit. I feel like I failed the kid because he was one of my students, which was a nice bit of acknowledgement for continuity that I wasn't aware of, but I'm sure made people who read that book feel happy. Um, and uh, then there's a big old party at the uh, the X Factor. Uh, I forget what they call their base. Uh, the Boneyard. There's a big party at the Boneyard, a bunch of characters hanging out and having fun. It's just good and wholesome, the entire back half of the issue. My favorite part is probably the moment when Dokken is like, so, uh, I guy is just naturally nice. He's just nice. And Warren is like, yeah, why wouldn't he be? Well, I don't know. It's just all the rest of us have chips on our shoulders. And then she starts mocking him like, oh, you're an old man saying you need to walk uphill both ways and have a chip on your shoulder and daddy issues to be an x-man <laughs> it's fucking hilarious because like in real world time yeah dokken is that old but in comic book time he's like my age <laughs> yeah no but he's talking like an old man mm-hmm. it's just a great little moment uh which is the whole issue it's a bunch of it's a bunch of cute little character moments that are building towards more stuff in this book in the future i'm sure yeah so, I read the new issue of Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe. I almost read that, but I didn't have time Wednesday. Oh, it's pretty good. It's just another little short adventure within the Marvel Universe in the, the new Shang-Chi status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, they, him and his Japanese half-brother are going into like this super, uh, super villain auction for a cosmic cube. And basically, all like, the minions are going like... Yo, fuck you, Shang-Chi, you kicked my ass! And all the supervillains are going like, yes, but he's in control of this organization, now we must respect him. You know? And, like, his brother's going like, yo, here's here's how you deal with the villain party, don't do all this, you know, they, they, that kind of stuff, right? And then we get to the auction for the Cosmic Cube, and, like, Shang-Chi's going like, shit, we don't have enough money because the hand's really bringing up the price. And then Captain America pops in and goes like, nope, none of y'all get the Cosmic Cube. We have this uh, fun big uh, fight scene with Captain America and Shang-Chi kind of working on the same side, but also kind of not. And it turns out they were. Him and uh, Shang-Chi had a plan to just get the Cosmic Cube out of bad guys' hands. And then we have a scene of the brother picking up the Cosmic Cube after the fight and handing it to Captain America. And you go like, oh, sweet. His brother, even though part of the issue was kind of like going like, man, I'm not sure about this, was doing, doing what his brother wants. And uh, we get this whole big thing of, like, his brother's arguing with Shang-Chi going, like, yo, I'm okay with what you did. I'm not okay with the plan because you brought in Captain America. He did this whole thing without telling me. And he goes, like, 
Yeah, but you're also in love with the woman who was running the auction. I didn't want to put you in that position. And he goes like, yeah, but dude, let me in on this shit. And he, uh, he's like, dude, I'm your brother. And Chang-Chi goes like, yeah, I'm your commander. Showing that, oh, maybe Chang-Chi's getting a little darker edge. Who knows? <laughs> but then we get see Captain America on his ship, and he has like a couple bad guys in handcuffs. But then they slowly disappear like a hologram. And he goes like, fuck. The brother used the Cosmic Cube to make me think I got him. And they all ran away. And now we have a person coming in going like, yo, Weapon Society needs to be burned to the ground. I'm here to make you an offer. And next month, we get Shang-Chi versus Wolverine. Sick. Well, uh, I hope you're ready for uh, my, my, my distinguishedness to take over the podcast for a good little bit here. Because I read the Green Arrow 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular this week. Um, is it an anthology or is it one story? It's a collection of short stories by various creators that have worked on Green Arrow in the past, um, which I had no idea this was coming out, so it was like a complete surprise and a very, a very elated surprise for me this Wednesday because I fucking love Green Arrow, okay? There's two characters that I was introduced to from Justice League Unlimited as a kid who have become two of my favorite characters in fiction and are a big part of why I consider myself to be a DC guy first. And that's Supergirl and Green Arrow. They, they were big reoccurring characters in Justice League Unlimited. Um, so whenever we get good content for either of them, I'm, I'm like, yes, go, yes. Uh, and for those of you who are wondering, I'm not a big fan of the Arrowverse. Um, but this comic, I am a very big fan of because everything in it is extremely good. Uh, they, This is one of the few times I can say DC did a big special to mark a milestone, and it, it, it felt very special. Because uh, the first tale we open up on is a throwback to Silver Age Green Arrow, the original version, uh, which is Green Arrow and Speedy in The Disappearing Bandit, which is written by... Marakia, Morocco Tamaki and art by Javier Rodriguez. And it looks very stylish, very Silver Age-esque. Um, like just, just look at this page here of classic Roy and uh and Ollie with him, with him in his friggin' bathrobe and Ollie in his fucking 60s Dick Grayson clothes. It's great. Um with the rosy ass cheeks. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fun, classic adventure of them going like, all right, this is a slippery-ass motherfucker we're trying to catch. We need to pull out all the stops. So let's get all the trick arrows out. There's a fun splash page of a bunch of different trick arrows that point out what they all are. Um, and Ollie's like, oh, I even invented a new arrow specifically for this mission. And after they catch the disappearing bandit, he breaks out of jail, and we get an after scene where Roy is like, Say, Ollie, what, what was that new arrow supposed to do anyway? You never told me. And he's like, oh, it disappears. And we cut to a scene of the bandit trying to sell one of Green Arrow's arrows, being like, yo, we can figure out the Green Arrow's secret identity with this to a mob boss. And they open the package with the arrow, and it's disappeared. And they're like, oh, we're going to beat the shit out of this guy now. Yeah, nice. Uh. Then we have uh, Punching Evil, which is written by Tom Taylor with art from Nicholas Scott. And it's a short story about Green Arrow's time 
training with Wildcat, uh, which which is one of my favorite things about Green Arrow, his interconnectedness with other Silver Age heroes, uh, where um, he he learns fighting from Wildcat, um, and he gets introduced to him through Black Canary, and this is very much just a retelling of that, um, where it starts with him showing up and being like, yo, I'm just doing this because I want to get in Diana's pants. I'm not actually that interested. Can we just say I did the lesson and then go? And then Ted beats the shit out of him and is like, no, you need this. You fucking need this. And then Batman walks out of the showers and is like, yo, Ted, I'll see you next week. And he's like, oh, Batman trains with you every week. He trains with me every week. I guess I better train with you then. Um, And it's just a cute little thing of showing Ollie's progression as a fighter, showing like, just reminding everyone that, like, yeah, his thing is arrows, but he can also do hand-to-hand combat. He can handle himself in a fight. And then we get a fun little moment where a silver-aged villain breaks into the gym and kills Ted as a revenge for foiling him for years and years. And then we get the origin for the boxing glove era, which is literally just Ollie plucks a boxing glove off of Ted's corpse, attaches it to the end of an arrow, shoots it, takes out the villain. And then Ted gets up and he's like, oh, did he fucking mook me? Yeah, he mooked you. How are you still alive? I have nine lives. That's my power. I think I'm on life six now. Oh, okay. I guess I have a new trick arrow now. The end. Yeah. It's cute. I like it. Um... Then the one story I wasn't super into, uh, Who Watches the Watchtower, which is written by uh, Stephanie Phillips with art by Christopher Moonham. And it's basically just uh, the Justice League leaves Ollie to uh, keep an eye on the Watchtower and do monitor duty while they go do a mission on another planet. He's very annoyed about it. He thinks it's beneath him. And then the Watchtower gets attacked by aliens, and he has to fend them off using stuff from the Justice League trophy room. Nice. That's a fun little adventure story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we get... uh, What was the name of this again? Uh, Okay, there we go. Just the usual sort of stuff, which is written and illustrated by Mike Grell, a.k.a. the best... The guy who wrote the best Green Arrow book. Uh, the run that starts with the miniseries Longbow Hunters and then sold and sold so well that DC just said, here, have an ongoing. And it went for like 40 fucking issues. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's him coming back and just doing a simple little story of like, hey, remember what my Green Arrow was like? Yeah, here's Ollie coming home late at night to Sherwood Forest because he owned a flower shop in Seattle called Sherwood Forest. and taking off his clothes, getting the, in the bed with Dinah, and she's like, yo, where were you? And he's like, oh, I was just doing the usual sort of stuff, you know, and it flashes back to him taking out some sex traffickers who are bringing uh, young ladies onto the docks uh, with the help of his half-sister, Shadow, and uh, they they get the ladies to the police, and that's it. That's the end. It's just a, it's just a quick little snapshot of what Mike Grell's era of Green Arrow was like, which really made me want to go back and reread Mike Grell's Green Era. Um, so that was, when was that? That was, uh, that was like uh, early 80s. It's mm. very, it's, it feels very much like 80s, at, 80s street-level action movies. Um, but then we, uh, we move on to a... Uh, what, was this, what was this called? I'm trying to find a title page for it. Ah, yes. Uh, the... Uh, the the quiver and the song, which is written by Ram the Fifth 
and written by Christopher Mitten, which is basically a story modern at, modeled after a uh, a classic poem of the same name, uh, and is very much just like here's little snapshots of Ollie's life and how it relates to his different loves and his different passions, um, and specifically uh how he kind of views the world how he kind of tries to see the better in things and always look for the the happy side of life um because that's the thing people forget about green arrow people specifically who may have made a certain live action show about green arrow green arrow isn't a grim and gritty chip on his shoulder guy like batman he's a guy who got stranded on a desert island had a tough time of it but then was brought back to the real world and went oh i survived being on a desert island and superheroes are a thing now. I bet I could be a superhero. I'm going to be a fucking superhero. That sounds awesome. And then he became an SJW. And that's Green Arrow. That's all That's yeah. all Green Arrow is. Um, and then we get a cute little editorial piece, which is uh, Lessons in Friendship with Oliver Queen, which is just a bunch of like old panels from comics featuring Green Arrow of him being a jackass with like, hey, do the opposite of what's going on in this panel. And it's really cute and really fun because that's that's the thing about Ollie is he 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 always has his he's got the right he's got the right idea but he ain't quite got the spirit you know he's right he, he's always spouting SJW ideals but in the most dickish Twitter core kind of way. Um, then we get a little flash forward story which is about Connor Hawk. It takes place in the future of the DC universe where Connor has a. Uh, just become the Green Arrow again um, after Oliver has mysteriously died. And uh, it's basically like, yo, the legend will live on. Here's Connor Hawk saving a building full of hostages. Um, and then we get... uh his son, right? Yeah, Connor Hawk is Oliver's Is he still son. around? I think so. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time, so I'm not sure. He might have gotten retconned out with the new 52 and then just nobody remembered to bring him back in with Rebirth. That's entirely oh. possible. But we move on with that to Green Man and Autumn Sun, which is the origin of Roy Harper told by Roy Harper over the phone to Leanne Harper as a bedtime story while he's out fighting crime. And it's just as adorable as you'd expect. Um, Thanks. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I, if you don't know much about Roy Harper, I would recommend reading it as like a good way to get into him. Um, especially for the moment where he's talking about like, oh yeah, and there was a time when Autumn Sun, because uh, that was, for those of you who don't know, Roy Harper grew up with Native Americans. He was He was adopted into a Native American tribe and then they went, hey, we're having trouble raising this kid, rich white man, could you take him on? And Oliver Queen was like, that'd be awesome. I needed a sidekick anyway. Um, Love how DC and Marvel just handle sidekicks. Yeah. It's like in Marvel, it's like, no. Sidekicks are dumb and dangerous. And then a bunch of teenagers go like, yeah, but fuck you, adults. I'm going to be a superhero. Uh, but uh, then, there's, then there's a bit where... Uh, Oliver, or not Oliver, I'm sorry, uh, Roy is talking about, like, alone in the city of stars, Autumn Sun was as sad as a forest with no deer. At night, he counted the stars outside, his window in the language of the of the people, so that he would never forget. And he found over ways to comfort himself. He found other ways to comfort himself. Dangerous ways that 
though maybe meant to wound Green Man, in the end wounded no one but himself. And then we cut to Leanne going to Ollie, because Ollie is babysitting her. He took drugs. And Ollie goes, he told you that? Uh-huh, daddy tells me everything. It's a really cute uh, representation of their relationship. Because I've always loved that about, uh, about Roy is like... He's been through some shit, but he has this daughter who he absolutely loves, and he does not try to shield from anything. He's like, no, I'm a superhero. You'll probably be a superhero one day. So I might as well be a little bit of a fuck up. I might as well be honest with you about everything. Um, which also leads in official member of like the Titans or something. Yeah, for a little bit. Um, and then there's also the adorable ending line of uh Oliver saying in that case, can we hear the one about the mysterious smiling assassin who found out she was about to have a kitten? And Roy just goes, absolutely not. What, does he not tell her about her mom? I think he's just not comfortable talking about it, but she probably knows about her mom. She's probably met her mom a few times. Because she's a villain? Yeah. Uh, but uh, then we go into a short story where Oliver is trying to save a little meta girl from human traffickers um, and finds out like, oh, she has the ability to control probability. She can, she's basically domino. She can change things to work in her favor or in the favor of people that she's uh, being held captive by. So they, she was kidnapped and is literally being pampered so that she will help these people win at gambling. Um, and she's also terrified of them and terrified of people with powers besides her. She doesn't even really understand her own power. She's a little, little girl, can't control her powers. And so she starts using them to summon all kinds of villains and side characters from Green Arrow's past, just bending the probability insanely to bring them in and have him fight them at, up briefly. And he basically goes like, as soon as he figures it out, he's like, no, I'm not going to fight them because these are good people. And you're just trying to protect yourself, and I get that, but I can help you more if you stop. Um, and and so she stops, and he takes off his mask, and he's like, my name is Oliver. My friends call me Ollie. Can we be friends? And, sh- and she just goes, my name is Star. And that's the end of the story. Uh, then there is Happy Anniversary, which is a story uh, where um, it opens with Ollie pretending to have forgotten his in uh uh Dinah's wedding anniversary um and having to go off to the store to pick up ingredients for dinner that uh she is making and then Slade Wilson kidnaps him um and she's like that motherfucker didn't forget he got himself kidnapped so I could kick Deathstroke's ass for our anniversary that's very thoughtful but very stupid so she goes and rescues him and then and then he's like uh no this was not your anniversary gift I just got you tickets to that concert you wanted to go to. Oh, okay. Slade, what the fuck are you doing? I was hired to distract you guys. There's something going on downtown. All right. I guess this is our anniversary now. Let's go fight crime. It's cute. Um, and then we get a uh, a return of the creative team from uh, Green Arrow's Rebirth book, uh, which is... I'm trying to find the credits. It's at the bottom of the story. Um... Benjamin Percy and Otto Schmidt. Uh, absolutely love Otto Schmidt's art, and I was introduced to it through this Green Arrow run, so it was cool to see him back. Um, which is basically just like 
a little snapshot of that time. It's very similar to the uh, Mike Perel, uh story, where it's just like, yo, we're living in the trees in the woods outside Seattle, and uh, Merlin's here, and he's trying to kill us. Uh, we're we're going to stop him real quick, and then we're going to have a nice celebration in the trees. And it'll be a little cute, like, hey, remember this era of Green Arrow? Remember the last era of Green Arrow that we just got out of, and we're waiting for the next one to start right now? Neat. Yeah. Um, and then we get a throwback to the DC, uh, the DC New 52 era of Green Arrow with the last Green Arrow story written by Jeff Lemire, um, which is basically Ollie, as an old man, goes back to the island and says, don't fucking come back to me from the guy who drove the boat. Uh, just just drive it back. You know, you know the notes. You know who needs to get them. Send my best to my sister um, and come pick up my body in a month or two. And he, we see he is hunting someone and he is trying to confront something. And eventually it is revealed he is hunting his younger self. He's trying to deal with his demons. Um, and uh, it ends with him going out in a blaze of glory. It's, it's very poignant. It's very cool. Um, it's very similar, cool. That similar vibe of like Batman can never quit. He'll always mm-hmm. be killed. Yeah. Oliver Queen will always be facing his inner demons. Yeah. And once he finally does, it'll be the last thing he ever does. Yeah. Could you we... say that it's the Green Arrow version of whatever happens in the Man of Tomorrow and whatever happened to the Cape Crusader? It can work in that in that sense. I don't know if it'll ever be looked at in that sense. I'm just I'm just trying to get like because the way you described it just made me go like, oh, that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Because this is the last, uh, this is the last page of it. Is literally just Ollie cremating himself in a fire while looking at himself and saying "thank you." It's that, it's that kind of head trip. Yeah. Um, and then we go right from that into something uh, very silly and very fun, which is Oliver Queen's f- stupendous chili recipe finally revealed. This is an old reoccurring joke from Justice League books, and DC finally published the recipe. I wonder if it's any good. I'll, uh, I, I'm highly tempted to make it. And from that, we go into uh, a, a really nice, really poignant way to end it, which is um, a write-up from uh, DC, uh, Dave Leibowitz, uh, talking about Dennis O'Neill, uh, Denny O'Neill and how important he was as a creator to Green Arrow's development as a character. And it ends with a wordless story written by Larry O'Neill, his son, which is basically a short form autobiography for Denny O'Neill. Um, uh, that is just uh, heart wrenching. It's it's really beautiful. Um, and I would highly recommend everybody read this. This uh, 100 page uh, 80th anniversary special just to see that because um, Denny O'Neill is an important guy, not just to not just to the Green Arrow, not just to comics, uh, not I mean, not just to DC, but to comics as a whole. Um, I don't I don't know what I'm pretty sure he did some things in Marvel like they've been running that just that last page as a memorial uh, ad for him in DC Comics for the last few weeks. Yeah, no, he, Batman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, The Question, Iron Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Daredevil. 
Yeah, he's been all over stuff. So it was really nice to see that that final acknowledgement. Like, hey, he unfortunately he passed away too soon to be involved in this an 80th anniversary for a character he majorly shaped. So here's a memorial story for him um, to end it off. And it was it was really nice. It was really sweet. I enjoyed the uh, the whole the whole special is really good. Now, please, DC, give us a new Green Arrow ongoing. I'm ready for it. He wrote some Marvel stuff, but it was very sporadic. He's a DC guy. Mm-hmm. DC um, guy through and through. And if you wanna if you wanna hear my uh, my picks, uh, you know, I'm just saying, Tom Taylor didn't too, do too bad of a job with his story in this special. So uh, we wanna we wanna do a new Green Arrow ongoing. Tom Taylor will be my top pick. All right. So, how many more books do you have? I have one more. Okay, so I have one, two, three, four five books left so you want me to do three and then we'll do two on my end sure go for it so i'll try i'll try and be brief beta ray bill uh we get some nightmares with bill reliving his past uh but scuttlebutt kind of like helps him out and they go through the ship and getting flashbacks of like the time he fought thor when he got the surgery to turn him into a horseman when he removed the bandages to to see his face and he broke a mirror because he 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 felt ashamed at the way he looked now his mother trying to comfort him and saying like i don't care what you look like you're my son you're doing this to help all of us and then uh when the his planet got destroyed and all that kind of stuff and then we get to the thing that's causing all the nightmares and beta ray bill chops it up all the while scuttlebutt's been like the best fucking person helping him go like, yo, I've been with this through this all, but now I have like human emotion to actually help you with it, you know? And then they crash on this planet and Beta Ray Bill sees the sword that he's looking for to, 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 to regain his form and all that kind of stuff. And he goes like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm about to accomplish the goal. And then Scuttlebutt comes in and goes like, I'm sorry. And Beta goes like, sorry? What could ever be sorry for? Back then, all those memories, I didn't know how to comfort you. I didn't know myself like I do now. That's not your fault. That's no one's fault. Your mom was right, you know. I can see inside you. You're radiant. And you never needed a hammer or a sword to prove it. And Beta just, like, takes her hands away from his face and just goes, like, I wish I could believe that. Hmm. But I've never felt that inside. I wish I can see it, but I can't. You have to forgive, uh, I have to forge it the only way I know how. Basically saying, I appreciate that you love me for who I am, but I feel like shit, and I want to fucking fix it. Which, fair enough. Yeah. So he grabs the story as a real thing. Yeah. And it's not even, yeah, it's just like, he feels more comfortable there. And basically, he grabs the sword, and then Surger pops up and goes like, Yo, bitch! That's my sword. I've been wanting to fight you. Hmm. So fight me. And then next, uh, we're going to get the grand final finale, Bill versus Surtur. Part of me is hoping that everything comes out in a happy end. And I'm like, yay. But I've read this author before. It tends to be bittersweet. So I have a feeling either Bill's going to get everything he wanted with the sword, but lose Scuttlebutt. Or he's going to forget the sword and gain Scuttlebutt, but still feel some discomfort with his body but scuttlebutt will help him through it interesting that's that's my predictions for the next issue then i read issue 31 of daredevil oh boy so mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kingpin had bullseye under lock and key 
And Bullseye's escaped. Oh, shit. Yeah. And Matt Murdock's still in jail. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And basically, he's dealing with President as best he can. Uh, the friends, he, the few friends he's made goes like, yo, man, you can't just keep hiding in your jail cell because they're just going to be not be afraid of you. All this kind of stuff, all that kind of jazz. And goes like, yo, you're not special, uh, Case, Daredevil. You pretend you're so damn strong, but you're just weak. And you know why? Because you don't know yourself. Like, harsh truths on that. You need to toughen it mad up. And then we go to Elektra, who's been Daredevil for the past few issues. And uh, the girl she picked up, basically trying to protect her. And Electra hands her some boxing gloves and goes like, all right, cool, we're training. And she goes like, are you kidding me, you psychopath? I killed a person. I am not, I am not willing to this. Fuck you, you crazy bitch. Oh, and it's Electra. She is a crazy bitch. Yeah, that's kind of her, that's kind of her uh, IP. Yep. And uh, she just goes like, weakness, I'm tired of it. I can't control others, only myself and right now. I just want to punch someone. Like, she recognizes, I can't force her to do this. She can't do this right now. But it's pissing me off that I can't. And then we have a meeting with Mike Murdoch. Do you remember Mike Murdoch? Isn't that the, isn't that the Silver Age thing where Matt pretended to have a twin brother to fool people about his secret identity? And then there was an overly dramatic issue about Mike Murdoch dying. Well, here's the thing. Mike Murdoch is actually his brother now because of some weird magic shenanigans. So Matt Murdoch is actually retconned into being a twin. There is a real twin brother now. Oh, my gosh. There is a shuckster who is a con man who has been dressing up as Matt Murdoch ever since he's been in jail. And what a bastard. Pretending to be Matt, wheeling and dealing with criminals. What a bastard. And basically going up to Hammerhead, going like, yo, you should be like the kingpin, all that kind of stuff, you know? Oh. Uh, look, it's simple, right? The DA's <laughs> office is taking <laughs> Izzy it's out. Like, I got shit going on right now, all right? My daughter is dating some weirdo who lives with Spider-Man. No, 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 Hammerhead. That's not Hammerhead who has that? No, 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 that's not Hammerhead. Hammerhead's a white dude with a flat head. His daughter's not Beetle? No. Who'd you say was Beatles' dad? Beatles' dad is... I can't remember his name. Hold on. I thought it, it was someone... She's dating Robbie Robinson's son, and there was a whole thing where, like... Yeah, no, that is a thing. It's not Hammerhead. Why did I think it was Hammerhead? Hammerhead's an iconic Marvel gangster villain. Lonnie Lincoln. Tombstone. That's it. Here's a da, da. Oh, yeah, I know what here. Tombstone looks like. I have a figure of Tombstone. Yeah, he's Tombstone, not Hammerhead. Yeah. But Mike Murdoch's doing all that kind of stuff. Electra's just running around fucking things up, going like, where's Izzy? And Kingpin's freaking out. I was like, where's fucking Bullseye? We lost him. This is shit. And the cops are freaking, because he's asking the commissioner of police. And, he, and he's like grabbing his face like this. Going like, where's Bullseye? Find Bullseye. And the cops are pulling guns on Wilson Fisk. And he goes like, bitch! As fucking uh, Typhoid Mary puts knives against the cops' heads. It's going like, this shit is fucked. All together. As Bullseye is in a high-rise apartment after killing a couple of people. And goes like, yo, I have a headache that's killing me and he looks and sees the vision of an angel that says 
hey, shouldn't you kill everyone? Good lord. As Matt Murdock goes to the warden and then beats up the, the security and goes like, yo, I know you're trying to kill me. I'm not going to let you do that whatsoever. And he breaks up the uh, the button that would call security and goes like, why are you doing this? So you can fight me? So you can beat me up? And he goes like, no, I want you to do it so you can scream for help. So the dude starts screaming. Matt's just going like, haha, I made my point. Uh, Izzy's like sad because her son's died because of all this gangster shit. As we see a person getting knocked out by a sniper shot as Bullseye is in the high-rise apartment just killing people indiscriminately. Oh boy, that's not good. Yup. Uh, let's talk about Cable. Alright, what's Cable up to? Well, he's decided to bring back the old man. Okay. The old Cable. And see, the five are already willing to do it, especially because one of the members of the five is a future displaced daughter of the old Cable. Mm. Okay. So they're going to, and they're talking about it, and they're going like, yeah, but what will the helmet heads think, Magneto and uh, Xavier? And then Xavier broad comes up and goes like, yo, we've already been brought the speed, we've approved it. We're bringing back uh, 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 old Cable. We're bringing back 90s Cable that everybody remembers and already has a billion action figures. Calm down, old comic fans. And they never even said, like, we're never bringing him back. That's been a big thing with Cable so far, is it's like, there's overlaying idea of, like, this old Cable's uh, a figure and bringing it back just makes sense. So Cable's talking to his mom, Pa, and just going, like, yo, it's just it just made sense to do. When uh, Sophie of the Stepford Cuckoos comes to their gate... And she goes like, hey, I'm sorry to barge in. Uh, he goes like, sorry, a lot of things going on right now. And she just goes like, oh, this will only take a moment. We wanted to let you know that we're breaking up with you. Oh. Oh, bye. And then Cable just goes like, they can't get any worse. As an old member of the Space Knights walks in and goes like, hey, yo, bro, I need your help. And he goes like, God damn it, I, give me a minute. <laughs> I have s- several things on my plate. Give me a minute. That really sucks. Him and the cuckoos were cute. Hold on. So we get to the Rex Rescue Chamber. Old Cable comes out and is like, all right, cool. You need me because I'm the old bastard and I know shit. All right, cool. Ready to go. Let's do this. And he looks at at Charles Xavier and goes like, hello, Chuck. Back on Krakoa, huh? Been a while. You didn't remove. And he goes like, yo, you didn't remove the virus because he's studying it. You know, he's doing psychic things with it. And he hugs his daughter in the most fucking wholesome ass shit. That's not what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I have seen in quite some time with old man Cable. And it's adorable. Oh, and Cable basically goes like, all right, cool. You brought me back. Now it's time to do my job. Body slide. He starts teleporting to his uh, satellite. And young Cable goes like, yo. Wait, motherfucker, I have been dealing with this for the past few months. You are not... And he starts being teleported, too, and he's like, Yeah, that's fucking right, bitch. So they're on the... They're talk, though. I I really hope we get a figure of Young Cable in the Marvel Legends line sooner rather than later, because it's a great character design, and I'm enjoying the character a lot. Oh, yeah, he's great. So they're on the the, the satellite, and Young Cable's sitting on the chair, and Old Cable goes like, That's my chair. That old man fucking... That's my chair, boy. You'll get that chair in a couple decades when you look like me. 
<laughs> you know. So they're gearing up, getting ready to go on the adventure. And Cable, old Cable, just goes like, "All right, cool. Here's the things you need to do in order to do this right. Uh, you need to get like recruits. You need we. You need to build the team, bud. You're building the team. I'm getting some rec- uh, recon, that kind of stuff." And goes like, "Yo, this dope ass ship I have, you get to borrow it for a bit." Hmm. And then old man Cable goes and talks to Magic. Oh. And basically goes like, hey, yo, can you help me? I need a favor. Uh, I don't want to spoil a surprise, but you're going to need this someday. Uh, A favor from the old man. Where are we going? Take a look in my head. And basically, we team back up with young Cable. Uh, He's recruited Domino, of course. Classic. He goes through New York. He picks up Deadpool. Sick. And basically, uh, Cable goes like, yo, I needed your help to teleport into this pocket dimension that Strife's been in as a headquarters. Once I'm done with Strife, like, you can just absorb it into Limbo. You can just, it's yours. That's that's payment for helping me get here, you know? You can have it when we're done here. Thanks for the ride. And Magic just goes like, alright, cool. Happy hunting. And that's basically all. That's, Magic just pops in, helps out a little bit. That's about that's, it. That's cool. That's fine. I, I, I like Magic and Cable's relationship. How she's been, like, kind of like a surrogate big sister to young Cable. Yeah. So Cable comes back in and goes like, hey, yo, Ma, Dad, you ready? You want to do a quick mission? And they go like, yeah, sure. Hey, Space Knight, dude, can you stay here for a minute? And he goes like, I could just ask you to spare a few hours for me. I don't uh, need the light of Gallifer for very long, but my final mission, my final purpose. And he goes like, hey, 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 we'll be right back. Hold on to that thought. So we have Scott, Gene, Deadpool, Domino, and Cable all riding in a ship. And, like, Deadpool just goes, like, why is nobody talking? Or are you just having a telepathic conversation? You know, a lot of people like to talk to me. <laughs> and it turns out, we roll up onto the house where the Stepford Cuckoos live. He knocks on the door. As Simi walks out, who's been the main one he's been dating, she slaps him. And Deadpool goes, like, ooh. Yeah, shit. And Cable just goes, like, come with me. We're, we're, I know where the missing kids are. I know you want to find this out. We need to finish this fight. And she just goes like, why? You brought the old man back. You're just going to go into the future and leave me behind. That's why she broke up with him. Because they're worried that because he brought the old man back, that he's going to leave. And he just goes like, I'm not turning into the old man for a long time, but I got a hell of a war ahead of me, and I don't want to go into this fight without you. And then they kiss. Sick. And Deadpool just goes like, oh, it makes my mask so dusty. He's growing before my very eyes. That's great. That's that's really great that Deadpool is warming up to young Cable. And then uh, they're about to go on the mission. Uh, the, uh, the other, so the rest of the Summers family gets the call and goes like, all right, cool. We're heading out. Meaning Cable's daughter, who's on the five, uh, and Rachel Summers, and goes like, all right, we didn't miss any fun yet. And then... Deadpool's about to talk again, and then Gene goes to, like, go to sleep. And Deadpool just goes, like, bitch, I'm immune to your telepathy. And then he gets knocked the fuck out. And he goes, like, I just used my telekinesis to cut the blood flow to his brain. Excellent. And Scott just goes, like, you know what's about to happen, right? Uh, every kid grows up to, too fast, especially mutants in this family. They're basically going, like, yeah, no, we're about to go fight a war. But our but Cable is getting responsible, and he's doing the right thing. And then we see fucking Strife in front of a, a, a legion of demons about to enact his plan. The reason he was kidnapping babies is he was 
gonna use them to sacrifice to do some like demonic ritual. But since they saved half the babies, he cloned half the babies. So, <laughs> all right, yep. And then the last thing we see is old man Cable with the space sword about to fight Strife, and then we get the and then it's the next issue, mm-hmm. which right. super fun Cable uh, Cable issue, just like. Sounds this is like. what I want for Cable. Fun, dumb time travel things. Side characters that are fucking horrible people, but fun to be around. Family this wholesomeness. Good. For this Cable book, that's what you want, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting there. Because basically what my plan is at this point, because I reread X of Swords this week, I'm going to try and get up to the Hellfire Gala by next week, and then go through the Hell Gala hellfire gala and get up to current the week after that hell yeah let's do it but uh the only other book i read this week was power rangers unlimited edge of darkness number one um and i have been out of the loop on the power rangers books for a good long while uh i kind of i kind of just dropped off after like the first issue or two of necessary evil so i'm not exactly Sure. Uh, it says this takes place after events in Power Rangers number eight. So I'm not sure what that's referring to, but uh, I just enjoyed this because it, it was it was exactly what it was advertised to be. Is it's a little short story uh, starring the Phantom Ranger in the past of the uh, Power Rangers universe. It takes place during the um, 10,000 years ago war. Um, and it's the story of how Rita Repulsa became Master Vile's daughter. Because Rita Repulsa was not born Master Vile's daughter. She is not his biological daughter. Um, she is the daughter of two Morphin Grid researchers, one of which fell to darkness and became a servant of Master Vile, and the other of which was the mother and went on the run with their child. Um and this is the story of them being trapped on this planet, being tracked by uh, Tengu warriors and uh, the Phantom Rangers showing up to save them and being like, yo, I'm a friend. Zordon sent me. I'm going to get you off this planet and we're going to get you to safety. And the mom's like, sick, uh, but you got really effed up in that fight. So let's go somewhere where we can recharge you first. And so she takes him to... Uh, what is basically a halo ring for Power Rangers? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if this had been pre-established, uh, but it is a location that's new to me. It's called the Master Forge, um, and the Phantom Ranger elaborates that uh, it's a space station of, uh, and there are several of them placed throughout the universe in grid-sensitive places. Therefore, collecting Morphin Grid energy to be studied and potentially used to create future teams of Power Rangers. Hmm. Um, and so she hooks him up to it. We get some more of uh, her backstory established. Uh, she basically tells the Phantom Ranger about uh, how things went down, that she went to be on the run, um, that uh, her husband and her both had visions of the future. She saw a future where Rita was good. He saw a future where Rita was evil. And because of that, he fell to the dark side, essentially. Um, And we also find out quite a bit about Dark Spectre. Uh, She says his mind was poisoned by Dark Spectre because Dark Spectre 
is a being from another universe that is trying to be manifested in this universe. And when that happens, it will mean the end of all things. He is entropy uh, looking for a hollowed vessel to inhabit. Uh, Guilty Gear? Kinda, yeah. Um, and basically the reason she and Rita are being hunted by the armies of Master Vile and uh, Dark Spectre is because they want to use Rita as the hollowed out vessel for Master Vile. Little baby Rita in this issue. Um, and uh, they repower the Phantom Ranger, um, but then the uh, Tangle Warriors catch up to them, so they have to fight them off again. And he comes up with, during the fight, a plan to, hey, if I got stronger when you charged me up with the energy from the Master Forge, I'm essentially overflowing with energy right now. What if we do that to Rita so there's no room for Master Vile to put Dark Spectre into her? And so he's essentially fighting off the Tangle Warriors while Rita's mom is trying to get that set up and make it happen. And he does it, um, they do it, right as Master Vile himself arrives. And uh, Rita's mom is killed, and they try to put Master Vile... Uh, I keep saying Master Vile when I mean Dark Spectre. They try to put Dark Spectre into her body, and um, they basically go like, oh... She's useless to us now. And Master Vile goes, no, I think she could be a great princess of evil at some point. And so he kidnaps her as the Phantom Ranger uh, floats off into space. And we flash forward over 10,000 years where the Phantom Ranger is now investigating a different alien planet and contacts Zordon and says, it, it looks like you were right. They finally did it. He's here. Dark Spectre has crossed over. So we're leading into Dark Spectre being the next big event in the Power Rangers comics, I'm guessing. Neat. Yeah. All right. Well, I read issue five of Eternals. How's that? How's the Eternals book? I don't think we've talked about it. It's good. It's very, it's very like, hey, do you like weird cosmic bullshit in Marvel? Here it is. So it's a book made specifically for you. Very much so. Uh, basically, we have Cersei laying a trap for uh, their forgotten one, a.k.a. Gilgamesh, uh, so they can uh, interrogate him about uh, a previous time he broke their resurrection machine, and they're just trying to get some information out of him, and maybe he, they think he might have done it. All the while, Thanos and... Uh, I can't remember his name. The, the weasel uh, eternal who, like, does bullshit. They're talking and going like, yo, are we teaming up? What are we doing? How are we working this out? And Thanos goes like, yo, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know I died and I'm back. Repairs were made. Uh, last of memory I have is uh, falling into a black hole. Uh, and they go like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, issue number six. And goes like, yo, but I'm back. I'm Thanos. And he's like, he goes like, yo, I, I, I have had Mephisto at my side. You are beneath me. And, like, the caption goes, like, Druig is offended. He wants to say Thanos grew up uh, in the eternal equivalent of a shack in a stinky swamp, and he should know his place. <laughs> Even though I think it's confirmed that Titan's actually better than Earth Eternals. Interesting. Because they didn't have... Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but then we have uh, Cersei 
uh, Icarus, Thena, all interrogating the Forgotten One. He's basically going like, y'all motherfuckers, but I didn't do it, okay? I didn't do it. I've done it before, but I did it a different way. This is how I do it. All this kind of stuff. And they basically go like, all right, cool. We have reason to, like, we don't have a reason to distrust what he says, but we don't have a reason to absolutely trust. So you're on a short lease. Help us figure this out. And he goes like, all right, cool. Fine. I'm down with that. Uh, Because either way, I can kill you if uh, you guys fuck up. That kind of thing. And then we have uh, the the uh, they're talking to uh, Festus, who's in the forge and does all that kind of stuff. And we have a little scene with Pixie and the boy they're trying to save. And as they're going through the machine, the Forgotten One just goes up and goes like, "Yo, this is this is how I broke it the first time. Any scientist worth their salt would have seen it and known how to fix it and fix it already. It's just been festering here. That's why everything's going all weird. It just hasn't been. It's just gotten worse because it hasn't been fixed. And they." All the Eternals just realize, wait a second, Festus did a complete search. He's thorough enough that he would have seen this. Festus left this on purpose. As he's walking out of the forge after, like, it's radiating a massive amounts of energy. And he goes, like, machine cut communications. And Thanos, are you there? Yes. This dude's teaming up with Thanos. There's someone in exclusion that he's basically, like, they found out you need to go deal with them as the forge blows up. And like the caption goes like, I said earlier that Festus is, uh, is the hammer and the forge. He is the one who makes things go, but it seems he also is the thing that makes things stop. Festus is one more thing. And then we see Festus talking. I, I am just destroying the Eternals. I am not destroying earth. Like he sees the Eternals as a flawed thing in earth and it needs to be, they need to be get rid of. Earth will, and he thinks Earth will be fine. And then the captions goes, Festus is wrong. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. I Like, it is pure cosmic gods and bullshit. It's fantastic. It's interesting. It's great dialogue, all that kind of stuff. But also the caption boxes, I, I'm not, I did a bad job describing them. They, the entire time, are very, like, modern dialogue, very Marvel, MCU, quippy, kind of like, when it said, oh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy number six, it's it, what the caption said is, my programming is telling me that I need to say the phrase Guardians of the Galaxy 2019 number six, and I have no idea why. Oh. Because it's a caption box telling you to find out where the information is, but in-universe, he doesn't know why. He's just, the computer's just going crazy. Excellent. Uh, and so we get to the final chapter of the Hellfire Gala, X-Factor number 10. Oh boy. And we see the whole crew getting ready to go. We see Northstar getting dressed. We see Akihiro getting ready. Everybody's just getting ready. iBoy's just skateboarding around, just getting ready and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Polaris just goes like, Trevor, we're naked and why aren't you getting ready? And like, pure older sister, go get dressed, mister. <laughs> All right, all right, geez. And then we see them all getting ready to go through the gate as iBoy is, like, just zipping up his pants, walking in with one shoe to the gate kind of thing. <laughs> so he's just getting ready. They walk through the gate, and all the and all the guy, and all all the the crew just, like, is doing their thing, all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, and then Prodigy goes like, hey, yo, I need to get a thing. I'll be right back. And uh, Northstar goes like, yo, dude, I'm a speedster. I can go be back in just one second. It's like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. I'll go get it. Okay? 
And so Prodigy goes back to the boneyard and does his thing. As a, as a whole crew is just mingling around and doing all their kind of stuff. And, like, North Star's being older brother, just going, like, take this to Akihiro. And he's just going, like, what is this? It's a cell phone. I know what it is, but why are you giving me one? So you can call for help the next time you need it. Because he's also dating his... Because uh, Akihiro is dating North Star's sister. And they're just having fun mingling. Um, North Star's husband is talking to... Uh, uh, fuck. I'm just bad with names tonight. Um, sparkles. Also very light. Sparklers. Uh, fireworks. Jubilee. Jubilee. Talking to Jubilee... Uh, and he and she reveals that Shogo still calls North Star Uncle PP. Hmm. It's cute. Uh, while Polaris is actually showing up in a uh, seemingly gay club in Los Angeles, and they and the the two bartenders go like, "Yo, it's him! You actually showed up, dude! It's been so long. We didn't think you showed up, dude. Here's your phone. You told us to hold on to this and bring uh, give it back to you uh, next time we saw you." And Prodigy's going like, "The fuck." Because he has no idea. We'll find out more what's going on later. As a Shadow Cat, as a Kate Pride and Rachel Summers have like a little have a little f- conversation, all that kind of stuff. Then we see Shatterstar show up from uh freaking freaking uh Mojo World, Mojo World Excalibur. Hmm. Well, uh, everybody's just kind of hanging around doing all that kind of stuff, you know. And then we see Prodigy in this house in L.A. of a film producer. As he is running away in fear, and he's going like, no, 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 you can't, you can't be here, you're dead. And Prodigy goes like, yeah, that's right, I came back from the dead to drag you to hell, baby, and he punches him. As uh, Captain America is having a conversation with North Star's husband, and they're having a cordial conversation, it's like, oh, hey, what's up, who are, uh, so what is, what's your old deal? And says, oh, I'm North Star's husband. Uh, and then the, uh, then the X-Men elections happen, and he goes like, Oh, yeah, no. Uh, it's a mind link thing with that mutants do. And he goes like, wait, you're a human and you live on Krakoa? Like, it, it's making Steve go like, oh, maybe they aren't as closed off as as I thought they might be. But, like, they, uh, like, he, he's, he, it's another piece of information in Steve's, like, understanding of human-mutant relationships right now. Yeah. And then we have North Star telling Polaris, you, yo, I'm so proud of you. Go be an X-Men. Go do the whole thing. If you ever want to come back to us, just hang out do any of that you're welcome it's home and she goes like thank you uh, i hoped i do you all proud and then we have a, a fun little dance between uh akihiro and uh his gal and all that kind of stuff and then we get a call uh get a call as uh we go back to prodigy and iboy shows up and like prodigy and prodigy's going like yo what's up and he goes like oh you didn't show back up uh and basically prodigy iboy goes like i knew you were lying I knew you were going to that club. I didn't know what you were doing, but I knew you were doing it. So I came and followed you to help out. And Prodigy hands him the phone and goes like, watch this. It's an old video of Prodigy in the Hellfire Gala costume saying, yo, if you're, you're from the future, so I must have come back. I just got killed uh, uh, because I fucked around and found out. Basically, the film producer that he just punched is a serial killer that targets young gay black youth to kill them. So Prodigy went undercover to basically be a plantable piece of evidence because he knew he could come back. Yeah. And the Hellfire Gala costume was fucking delivered to him 
from himself in the past to trigger the memory to basically go like, yo, here's all the information. Go figure it out. And so iBoy goes like, all right, cool. Let me help out. Help, let me help you help you out a bit. So he does some Naruto hand signs and brings out like a couple fucking eye portals and shines a fucking beam at the dude and like breaks his bones. All right. That's a thing iBoy can do now. And Prodigy just goes like, yo, the fuck. And then the rest of X Factor shows up to help him out. While Akihiro and uh, I can't remember her name right now. Aurora are just uh, flirting uh, the fuck up. And she basically goes like, yo, there'll be a trial. You're going to be doing all that kind of stuff. As uh, uh, Prodigy basically goes like, yo, iBoy, you're not as dumb as you look. Why do you act that way? He goes like, because if I act dumb, everybody doesn't pay attention to me, and I can see everything. Mm. Because I act dumb, they're less likely to be guarded, so I can see when they're lying. Interesting. So iBoy is, like, smart and clever, but, like, he's kind of a goofball. And then Prodigy gets to hang out with uh, uh, Speed for a little bit, and they're at the Boneyard. And then they walk past the grave where they keep the mutant bodies to just like study decomp- uh, decomposition and everything. And iBoy sees what's in the graves and he goes like, oh, we need to get out of here fast. And Speed's going like, what? Why? What's, what's wrong? Someone's over there. They're probably just drunk. And so Speed walks over and just goes, mommy, as we see the dead body of the Scarlet Witch. Oh, shit. As iBoy is trying to, like, pull Speed back away from Wanda so he doesn't disturb the crime scene. That's two deaths at the Hellfire Gala now. What the fuck? What was the other death? Gabby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. But this one's leading into Trial of Magneto. Yeah. And this is also the last issue of X-Factor to lead into the Trial of Magneto. It's the same creative team doing Trial of Magneto, I'm pretty sure. Oh, shit. And I'm pretty sure X-Factor is playing a major part in it. But, yeah. Wanda's fucking dead. Shit. Here's the thing. Part of me goes like, yo, this could be a way to bring her back as a mutant and do all that kind of shit. I really do hope it is. That would be nice. Part of me hopes, like, like, they can bring her back, but, like, the council votes no. You know what I mean? Like, they can bring her back. She's a mutant. That's retcon. That, 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 that's a fixed retcon. She can come back anytime. We can re- resurrect her anytime. We have a backup. We have the thing. We have everything. And Magneto is going like, all right, cool. We need a resurrect her. Xavier's going like, yeah, sure. We can resurrect her. Nightcrawl is going like, yeah, I've worked with her. She's had some bad spots, but overall she's fine. And they put it to a vote. And the majority vote, no. And that would just be heartbreaking. But yeah, that's all the comics I read this week. Well, um... Do we want to end on a little bit of wholesome news that I just found? Ooh, go on the wholesome. Al Ewing, Al Ewing, the writer who confirmed Loki was bisexual in the comics, has come out as bisexual as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's been doing a good shit at Marvel. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad for yeah. the dude. Definitely. So... That's all the comic stuff we both read this week. I'm sorry I read more more and made it really uneven. Yeah. Well, it's okay. I'm still dipping my toes back into film. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to catch up to X-Men, and there, there's a lot of DC books starting this month I'm looking forward to. Yep. So, on that note, do you have any final things to say? And why don't you tell the people where they can find you? 
Uh, hey everybody, I'm the Vacuuminator. I'm a YouTuber who makes action figure reviews as well as a few other things here and there when I have the time. You can find me at youtube.com slash the Vacuuminator. That's spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. Uh, this is going up on Monday, and on Wednesday, I will be uploading a video review of the Marvel Legends 80th Anniversary Classic Hulk and First Appearance Wolverine 2-Pack. So, all you uh, you uh, true believers out there will definitely want to tune in for that, because uh, it'll be a good old time, I do believe. I haven't gotten to editing the video yet, so... Um, be you know, shit. Who knows? Who knows? Could go either way with me. Uh, but... If you uh if you want to hear what I have to say about everything and anything in uh 280 characters, I think it is now or less, uh you can follow me on Twitter at the Vacuuminator. You can also follow my uh Instagram at the underscore Vacuuminator, where I post action figure photography each and every day, except for Thursday, because I, I still do the throwback Thursday thing, post older, younger photos of myself. Um and uh yeah, that's everything. Alrighty. Hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Chris Gaston. I do video essays and editorials on the YouTubes. Uh, you can find me, just search Boingo Writer. You'll find me there. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Boingo underscore writer. And for most part, I don't have a ton of things, uh, other things to kind of plug, but like things are gearing up on my end. Gearing up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> no, you're not. I tortured you for 40 minutes with it. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm trying to be the supportive friend. Don't ruin it. Just uh, gonna sit over here and play with my action figures while you do the rest of the stuff. Well, this has been Modular Media Snow Price Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Vac is genuinely playing with his toys. But if you like this podcast and you're listening to this on a podcasting platform, hey, get a uh, follow us on there and tell your friends about it. It's the best way to help us out there. And if you're on YouTube, give us a like, a comment, and hey, you can subscribe to this channel to get this podcast and many more, including, but not limited to, Modular Components, a weekly show where we just kind of hang out, talk, and things we're interested in. Um, Modular Media Wrestling Podcast, where me and Vac here talk about professional wrestling that we like in the week. More often than not, it's AEW. And we also have Vac's other show. Hey, V-Man, why don't you tell the people about that one? Hey, everybody, if you enjoyed hearing me talk about a Power Rangers comic, you'll probably hear me and uh, enjoy hearing me talk about other Power Rangers stuff in This Week in Toku, where myself and Miriam of Buster Core and now of Modular Media discuss everything and everything from the world of live-action Japanese special effects every week on the Tuesdays. Nice nice Sue. But in the meantime, that's kind of it for this episode of No Price Podcast. And I can't think of anything to end it. We don't have an outro. We don't have uh, any gag that we can do. There so... wasn't enough simping this week. No, there wasn't. Well, you also didn't read the issue with magic in it. I did. I'll get there. I'll, yeah, you'll I'll get, get there. You. One day. One day. But overall... Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Enough said.